Hello, welcome to episode 180 of NCP. My name is David, and we'll be the NCP crew. Richard. 180! Yes. Sorry, it's um, darts. When you score 100 and, like, maximum score. Oh, I see. 180! See, I would have understood that if you'd then taken a swig of lager. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it's the only sport I know where balancing yourself out with a glass of beer <laughs> is actually part of the sport. It's acceptable. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, Luke. See, what um, Retro fails to take into consideration there is that, you know, on a regular dartboard, 100, 180 looks big. On a cosmic dartboard, it's like, you know, one tiny tenth of an atom. But is so, there an awesome, like, space voice that comes on and goes, 180? Because that's yes, all I like. <laughs> yes, but it's then repeated by, you suck. <laughs> well, the universe is harsh. Tangent, a giant cosmic... Where do you come up with this stuff? Hey, Crystal. The only thing that comes to my mind is, oh, and that's a bad miss. But that's the wrong sport. Yeah. <laughs> Close, though. Still a lot of lager involved. But it'd be kind of funny if it was a bad miss and it had taken someone's eye out. So. <laughs> You're all crazy people. Uh, yeah. So this, for this episode, we have a From the Racks. From the Racks makes a return. Hey! It's been ages. Hey! Uh, at uh, Richo's request, we're actually going to be talking about the all-new, all-different Marvel. Yeah, look, I thought, you know, given that we did the all-new, all-different DC back when they relaunched, I thought, only fair yep. that we give Marvel equal time. Yeah, well, we'll list, we'll list all the all-new, all-different t- t- titles, so all the official ones at least, and uh, our thoughts on them. Uh, we've also got a special version of Recast. Recast makes its return, and uh, what, I, what I decided for this edition, uh, what I wanted the boys and the lady... <laughs> Uh, to do is to uh, I would then, I would give them a plot um, and they they would choose the decade that they wanted and the genre and then create not only not only cast the film but also create the film. Um, so I don't know how how much detail people have got into. I'm I'm very much looking forward to hearing uh, people's responses. Uh, so the actual basic plot of the film itself plus who's actually going to play the characters in that film. So uh, I hope you like it. I'm I'm uh, very much looking forward to it because I'm a genius and all my ideas are good. Uh, and uh, we'll finish up with coming soon yes really (laughs) but before we do that um, I have uh, something that uh, I want to say we were actually part of this episode was also going to be a interview Um, I haven't done an interview for a while and uh, I haven't been actively uh, looking for any interviews but um, uh, a friend of mine uh, was uh, kind enough to put me in touch with Barbara Crampton Uh, now Barbara Crampton uh, you of course know from uh, the reanimator, uh, first reanimator film, and uh, uh, various other things uh, like that from this sort of 80s sort of horror genre. Uh, but she also uh, has made uh, a comeback. Um, it, she, I mean, she sort of semi-retired in order to become uh, a mother and uh, get married and become a mother. And she's made a bit of a semi-comeback with uh, um, Your Next, films like Your Next, and uh, a film I reviewed a few episodes back called um, We Are Still Here, which I quite enjoyed. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so I had, uh, the, uh, dare I say, the honour of speaking to her a couple of days ago, and uh, she was lovely, as I, as I knew she would be. Um, unfortunately, though, uh, because, I, well, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what happened, but unfortunately, uh, there's actually no proof that this occurred. <laughs> it could all be in my head, because uh, the recording actually, it actually just recorded 35 minutes of silence, <laughs> so... I'm not too sure what the deal is. I think it has something to do with uh, this, one of the, the setting. One of the settings on the recorder was set to line in instead of mic, 
um, or something. I'm not. I'm not too sure. But it's uh, a Simon and Garfunkel effect. Yeah, I'm very. I don't understand that reference. <laughs> Sounds of silence. Oh, the zing. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm actually. I mean, I'm joking about it, but I actually, I'm quite disappointed because it was, uh, quite frankly, an awesome interview. She was. She was awesome. Um, she had uh, a lot of interesting things to say, and uh, and as usual, I was on fire. And it's you know it's. It's it's damn disappointing. So I, I will. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to two minds. I'm I'm too embarrassed to admit to her that that's actually what happened. So it, it, I just I don't know whether to try and get another interview with her. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'm, there may be a future future episode with a with an interview with her. But uh, it's a shame that this one that you miss out on this one. So but anyway, full disclosure. <laughs> I'll throw that out there. It's cool. That was my my events from the last week. I even went into work early to do it. Well, it's, it's actually not too bad considering out of all the interviews you've done, this is the first time this has ever it's happened. It's the first time it's ever happened to me, I swear. It's never happened before. <laughs> it usually lasts longer than that. There's never had any equipment failure before. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. But that doesn't mean this episode's not going to be awesome. So uh, let's get to it. Well, we're, actually, we're actually going to do a uh, recast first, uh, even though I mentioned it second. So uh, let's go to segment number one. The Return of Recast. David's special edition recast, Yay. the director's cut. Oh, God, I'm terrible. <laughs> so, uh, as I just as I explained at the start, um, uh, a slight change. We're actually going to. Uh, I gave uh, the boys and the lady uh, a, a plot that they then had to create. The lady. <laughs> hey, lady! Uh, had to create a, a sort of a plot and then sort of cast that plot. So, the plot that I chose, or the, or the trope you could say, is boy meets girl, which is a pretty easy one. Uh, nice easy one and uh, each boy, each uh, crew member then chose their decade and their genre and then you know their casting and stuff so we'll do it uh, as is our want we'll do it in decades okay so that means uh, so that means that Richo is first who did the 50s now originally I was going to go with an Ed Wood film cast all of Ed Wood's regulars uh, and the basic plot was going to be you know boy meets girl but boy wants to dress like girl <laughs> nice. uh, but uh I, I I then thought, yeah, that is probably a little bit close to uh, Glenn or Glenda. Yeah. So instead, I thought I would uh, go with a movie that I have entitled From Beneath the Earth. Or, Same. let me rephrase that, From Beneath the Earth. Or even better, Because They Came From dun, 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 Beneath the Earth. So it's easy to say that your genre is sci-fi? It is, okay. it is. The film's from 1956. Like he's already oh, come you... up with a tagline, it's fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> so you specifically say specified... I'm intrigued. I'm so looking forward to this. It's directed by Jack Arnold. Uh, for those of you who don't know Jack Arnold, he is a legend of 1950s. A legendary legend. Yeah, of 1950s directing. And for sci-fi fans, he directed It Came From Outer Space, Creature From The Black Lagoon, Tarantula... And my personal favourite, The Incredible Shrinking Man. Great. That's one hell of a resume right That's there. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, my story, Boy Meets Girl, centres around Jenny Lincoln, played by Gloria Talbot. Thank you. She's a college girl, but she's come back uh, to New Mexico on holidays from college. She's come to visit her father, uh, Professor Lincoln, of course, <laughs> played by Leo G. Carroll. Nice. Uh, a bit of a, a mainstay from Jack Arnold's uh, movies. Um, now, Leo G. Carroll, Professor Lincoln, is of course working on a top secret experiment <laughs> involving nuclear power because it is the 1950s. Right. Um, he has as his assistant uh, Jack Nelson, 
uh, played by John Agar, uh, another mainstay from this period. Um, but because it's nuclear testing and everything, there's also um, the military is there as well. And uh, the head of the military is uh, Captain Jeff Washington, played by Peter Graves. Oh, yeah. Who, if you needed a military guy in a sci-fi film at this point, was always ready there, good to go. Um, <laughs> there is also Buddy, who is just a local teen boy. All right. Uh, sort of 19, 20-year-old there, uh, played by uh, Ricky Nelson. That's a good name for him. You, know, you have to be Buddy or Chip. Or yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I was thinking Bear for Chip or, yeah, but Buddy Buddy is the way to go. And that, that's my little nod to uh, to David Bowie's song, Drive In Saturday Night, where one of the lines is, his name was always Buddy. <laughs> now, uh, Buddy is uh, part of the local the local gangs, and there's something not quite right about him and his gang. You're giving me that look like, hang on a second. I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. His gang, they're, they're, a, little, they're a little strange. Um... But what surprises Jenny, who, of course, naturally has to meet um, Buddy and fall in love with him, is um, just how much knowledge he seems to have of science. And, more importantly, as she soon discovers, of the experiments of Professor Lincoln. Now, so he's, a, he's a rebel, but he's a nerdy rebel. Exactly right. Secretly nerdy. Secretly nerdy, yes. I like it. Um, oh, that's another movie. <laughs> <laughs> Secretly nerdy should be made in the 80s. <laughs> Desperately seeking nerds. Yeah. Now, Jack Nelson, uh, the professor's assistant, he's, he's you know, also like madly in love with Jenny, and he's a little suspicious of Buddy. And uh, especially when Buddy starts showing up on site at the testing grounds, just hidden in the background, you know, people start to wonder, what's going on with Buddy? And Jenny's like, no, 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 Buddy's great. Buddy, I love Buddy. Everything's fine, you know. And the big revelation, of course, comes when uh, it is revealed that Buddy comes from a society that lives dun, 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 <laughs> beneath the yeah. earth. The society Damn. ruled by Zemnu. <laughs> Zemnu, played by uh, Hugh Marlowe. Uh, Zemnu has sent Buddy and Buddy's uh, gang, yeah. who are actually uh, like highly trained beneath the earth warriors, Yeah. Um, have sent them up there because the nuclear testing is in fact destroying the city that lives beneath the earth. Is there a cool scene Buddy? where they disguise themselves and they're putting in the brill cream? Oh, absolutely, there is. <laughs> now, Buddy, of course, um, Buddy actually appreciates uh, the world above yeah. and has himself fallen in love with Jenny. And so he has only a certain amount of time to convince them to stop the nuclear testing before Zemnu and his people will unleash the dinosaurs! Which, of course, will all be created by Ray Harryhausen. <laughs> so, Great. naturally, you know, really, Buddy's going to probably fail so that we could have the giant, at least one giant monster, go on a rampage yeah. with um, Peter Graves and his people then having to actually stop them. So that's my boy meets girl story that also features dinosaurs, nuclear testing, and a city beneath the earth. Dare I say it, genius? <laughs> I want to. I want to see that movie. I want to see tonight. It <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, next up will be myself with the eighties. Yeah. So uh, plot: boy meets girl, decade nineteen eighties genre comedy horror. The uh, basics of my story doesn't go as quite as advanced as Richo's, but uh, I've got. Uh, a, uh, a nerd, nerdy boy uh, named David 
uh, is our pro- is our, pro- our protagonist. Uh, he's a massive nerd. Uh, he's played by Zach Galligan uh, from, from Gremlins. Uh, he has a crush on Hope, who is uh, the most beautiful and popular girl in school, the head cheerleader, played by Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Because, let's face it, you would. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, but, uh, but, he's, uh, but she's... He's so far beneath her that he, she basically doesn't even bother tr- picking on him. She just she doesn't even know knows that he exists. Her boyfriend Zach, on the other hand, does know that he exists and uh, picks on him and his friends at all times. Uh, Zach is uh, is uh, the quarterback and a complete asshole, played by William Zabka. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know who that is, that's uh, the main bad guy from the Karate Kid movie. Oh, the blood kid. <laughs> yeah, was the, blood, the blood, the blood kid. The uh, I always, I thought he did uh, an excellent job. Um, so, but so yeah, so he's uh, quite merciless. He and his friends uh, are quite merciless, as well as, well as uh, Hope's uh, best friend, uh, Cindy. Hope's bitchy friend. I've got written here, but she's actually just pretending to be bitchy. She secretly has a crush on Mark. She's played by Phoebe Cates. <laughs> so uh, basically, the, so the nerd boy's uh, two best friends are Samantha, uh, who is known as Sam, and is actually a girl. She's a tomboy uh, who has a secret crush on David, and um, he she is part of a D and D group. So it's the eighties. D and D is huge. Uh, so she's part of the group with um, David's best friend Mark. Sets the to- uh, tomboy Sam uh, is played by Christy McDickle. And of course, you know, cap, overalls, glasses, classic 80s tomboy type stuff. Uh, at the end of the film, obviously, she takes it all off. And Oh, wow, it's Christy McDill! She's gorgeous, that sort of stuff. Uh, and uh, Mark is uh, played by Anthony Michael Hall. He had to be in there somewhere. He had, it, was, it was either him or uh, the guy from Two and a Half, who's now on Two and a Half Men. John Cryer. Yeah, he's the John Cryer. Okay, but I, but I, I can't stand John Cryer. So I think Michael Hall was the winner. Good choice. Uh, yep, and uh, you know, Weird Science all the way. I was originally going to go the two got main characters from Weird, weird Science. Weird Science. But I thought that was a bit, that was a bit cheaty. Uh, I quite like Zach Gallagher. Uh, and uh, so basically, so the general... Oh, and uh, their teacher, their homeroom teacher is Mr. Hughes, in a little nod to uh, John Hughes, uh, played by Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, yeah right. in a in a, in a he's, I mean it's a very similar sort of deal to Ferris Bueller, obviously, but uh, not an arsehole. Like, he's actually is a is a is a decent guy. Um, and uh, so the basic the basic plot I didn't, I didn't go into quite much detail as Richo, but uh, is he so uh, David is in love with Hope? Well, he has a crush on Hope. He thinks he's in love. We're a teenager, not really in love. Um, and uh, his uh, best friend Mark uh, is uh, they and Sam. They're all D D and D players, and he just he. Mark thinks that he's that he's a Satanist. <laughs> he's like he, he wants to be a Satanist because he he thinks that's cool. Not realizing, of course, that that's not what Satanism is all about. But this is the eighties, right? So yep. people don't know that stuff. So so he's like he's like look, uh, unknown unknowns to David, he uh, roped Sam into a plan to cast a spell from one of his D and D manuals that will summon the demon Asmodeus, who is the demon of lust, and uh, then Asmodeus will then make make hope fall in love with with uh, David. So he's yeah, so he's big so Sam grudgingly goes along with it, um, and uh, they cast this battle and sure enough they actually cast they actually accidentally raise Asmodeus. Uh, and uh, he's he was he's gonna be uh, animated, stop motion animation, um, to it later on in the film. So rather he later on he actually manifests. But at the start it's just his voice, uh, and the voice is Tim Curry. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, so they raise the voices. Marius uh, cast the spell, and sure enough, 
The next day, when uh, David, Mark, and Sam arrive at school, Hope is there waiting at the at the at the door. You know, she's got a, 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 a I love David T-shirt on. She when he arrives, she just goes crazy, runs over, starts giving him kisses and stuff, and he's like, "What the hell's going on here?" Zach, Zach of course, sees this and he and uh, he's like, "What the? <laughs> what's, just, what's going on?" And uh, and uh, but you know, David, of course, he's like, "All right." And so he and uh, Hope start going out. Zach is furious. But then things start to go a bit crazy. Uh, Zach, uh, Hope becomes a completely obsessive. So it's, I mean, as you can probably tell from the "I Love David" uh, T-shirt. So it's uh, and no, it's not weird that I named him David because <laughs> I can see the look on your faces. No, it's uh, weird. You are, you are clearly living some sort of weird some sort of fantasy. Weird some fantasy. <laughs> I did think that when I was writing it, but I thought, you know what, bugger. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so guy, she becomes really obsessive. She basically won't leave him alone. She's constantly, constantly calling him. She shows up at his house. His parents are like, what the hell's with this great... At first, they're like, they're like, well, awesome. He's with the most popular girl in school. Yeah, go, David. Uh, but now it's, now it's turned into, this crazy bitch has got to go. Let's <laughs> go. Um, but uh, and it, but un, unbeknownst to um, uh, Mark... David, at this point, still doesn't know that it's a spell. Uh, but unbeknownst to Mark and Sam, uh, who is, of course, very jealous of everything that's going on, Asmodeus has actually possessed Hope. And he starts to then raise his minions to possess the others. So he, uh, Zach and all the football team and all this stuff all get possessed as well. Uh, eventually, Sam uh, reveals all to David. David's furious that, it, you know, it's, that they did that without his permission. Um, and uh, they resolve to uh, to stop the situation, but it's too late. Unbeknownst to them, if all the everybody else in the school is all now possessed by demons. So it's basically those those three and Mister Hughes versus uh, the demon horde. I was picturing it's kind of kind of Evil Dead demons, you know, so the ones that crack jokes and yeah. uh, you know spit blood and you know rah, rah, rah. yeah deadites. But, yeah, deadites. Yeah, they're essentially they're deadites, but with a, a John who sort of. PG rating. <laughs> so none of this, none of this rape by trees business or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's them three. They get uh, holed up in the school. They have to fight off the uh, the army of uh, possessed demons and stuff. And uh, they eventually finish, uh, defeat beat everybody by um, casting another spell from one of the DVD D and D books that uh, banishes uh, Asmodeus. Or does it? At the end of the film. Uh, Sam, of course, uh, Mark Hope goes back to normal and, of course, has no interest in David. David realises he has no interest in Hope. Uh, but then, of course, Sam takes off her cap and her overalls and her glasses and has lets her hair out and is obviously revealed to be gorgeous. And, uh, and so uh, David and Sam get together. But then right at the end of the film, as they're walking along hand in hand, uh, Sam turns to the camera and her eyes are glowing red. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. That's fine. Cool. <laughs> Congratulations on creating an 80s teen film without Molly Ringwald. My important question here is uh, how many songs in the soundtrack are done by Kenny Loggins? None. <laughs> no, not. It's all Aha and Duran Duran. Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. It's oh, got to be New Romantics and Spandau uh, yeah, Ballet, they, they, maybe. Yeah, a bit of uh, fl- uh, the, the Seagulls. Flock of Seagulls. Spandau Ballet yeah. got to be included. Yeah, oh, um, <laughs> don't you forget about me, people. Oh, right. <laughs> simply, simply red, simply minds, simple, simple, simple minds, simply red minds. <laughs> oh dear God, no! Let, let's not have That's simply red involved. <laughs> Look, okay. So, in an attempt to cash on the success of Independence Day and the X Files, and a way to to, to recoup some of the some of the losses that they incurred after Jurassic Park, 
Universal has decided they're going to enter the uh, the blockbuster science fiction, uh, blockbuster cerebral science fiction arena. Um, in an att- it, like I said, in an attempt to make money, they um, they commission a script from Andrew Nichol, who wrote and directed Gattaca, yeah. and they hire Vincent Nat- Vincent Natalie, fresh off the success of um, cult f- of uh, cult film Cube, to uh, tell to give them uh, a tale a tale of um, alien invasion. Right. The story that they that they come up with, um, they cast Ethan Hawke and they cast Uma Thurman. Um, the story they come up with is Ethan Hawke's character wakes up on uh, a you know strange in a strange place. Um, it doesn't know where he is. Discovers that there is someone else beside him as well. They quickly realise that the place that they're on is in fact a UFO and they've both been abducted. However, there are no aliens around, and as they continue to explore the ship. They discover that there are more humans kept in cryogenic suspension, but there is no alien presence. However, they soon meet a, a mysterious man played by Jeremy Northam, who reveals that, um, you know, he is working on behalf of the aliens, and he is attempting to to find the best and the brightest of all the people of all the human of all the human beings who are not famous. In an attempt to bolster the alien superintelligence and to add, and take over the Earth, this of course divides Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. Uma Thurman comes down on the um, on the idea that you know that's what she wants to do. Ethan Hawke comes out, and she is corrupted by Jeremy Northam's character to see his point of view. Ethan Hawke, being the uh, the stereotypical '90s geek who uh, seemed to pe- infest her and penetrate every single science fiction film in the '90s. The good-looking geek. Yeah, the good-looking geek <laughs> attempts to um, argue against that and fight against Jeremy Northam. Right. And it's all very interesting and cerebral and um, introspective and the relationships between the characters real, uh, characters really come to the fore. Mm. Universal detects a problem, which is that it's cerebral and interesting and introspective and they're not going to make uh, one single money. So after the film was made and they screened the film, they decide, no, we have to... We've still got money left over on this project. We have to make some money some, somewhere. So, they keep Ethan Hawke. Jeremy Northam astounds them with an astonishing performance. Yeah. Um, and they realise that they need him to play the bad guys. But, um, this is the 90s. And, yes, we are in the post-feminist 90s wave here. But, let's face it, we can't have uh, an interesting um, uh, cerebral woman. We have to have uh, we have to have uh, a good-looking uh, kick... Um, kick butt um, female. So they replaced Uma Thurman with Natasha Henstridge. <laughs> fresh off the success of Species. Out goes out goes Vincent Natalie and is replaced by Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven has just uh, has just secured them a massive success with the Starship Troopers and they kind of want to continue the success there and they replace uh, Andrew Nicholas Greenwriter with David Toohey. Although it is then later suggested that even Paul Verhoeven got a bit annoyed with what Toohey was doing and bought it and asked Ed Newmeyer to his um, Starship Troopers and Robocop cohort to come in and do a bit of script doctoring. So, out goes the interesting introspection. Suddenly we see masses of aliens, um, masses of aliens take sides um, in, in a vast intergalactic war. Really poor CGI. Really poor CGI <laughs> in an attempt to, um, attempt to take over the world. Yeah. Natasha Henstridge, uh, Uma Thurman's character is no longer just a fellow alien. Oh, sorry, a fellow human that Ethan Hawke discovers and conflicts with. She's, in fact, an alien-human hybrid super soldier. Again, 
much like her character in Species, um, who finds herself caught in between the uh, the polemic of both Ethan Hawke's character and Jeremy Northam's character. The problem is, of course, is that suddenly we get Earth involved into all this, and so that we can have massive battles between the Earth forces and the alien forces, whilst we've got all this internal scrubbing going on between the aliens who agree with Ethan Hawke, and the humans who agree with Ethan Hawke, and the aliens who agree with, and the humans who agree with Jeremy Northam. Thereby creating the internal introspective conflict that they kind of don't actually want, whilst having, you know, the big massive explosions <laughs> um, that occur between um, the Earth forces and the aliens. Needless to say, that, needless to say, the latter one is the huge hint. <laughs> makes lots of money, but then the first one is in fact leaked online. Ooh. And becomes, you know, the cultural hit that we kind of uh, praise today. Yep. Um, the whole idea basically being was, you know, taking the introspective science fiction shows that were doing in the 90s, the big blockbusters that they were doing in the 90s as well, and kind of trying to marry the two. Right. That's kind of my film. It's called Object. Object. Mm. I like it. I didn't give mine a name. School sucks, I suppose. <laughs> well, it's that whole... Vincent Natalie's film always tend to be, you know, one-word titles. Yeah. So, you know, Cube, uh, Cyber, Splice. Yeah. So I thought, well, he'd call, you know, UFOs, Object. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that works. Very cool. All right, Crystal. Okay. I'm intrigued. My film, at the stage it's at, it's more, it's more like a pitch. So this is something you maybe might, might pitch um, to an executive. Uh, so it's in the sort of very early stages of craftsmanship it hasn't gone through workshopping or anything yet okay so um the basic premise is because i i was having real trouble coming up with anything so i started off with actors who would i like to see on screen and um the two actors i picked the boy meets girl was benedict cumberbatch and Catherine hepburn but young Catherine hepburn (laughs) Right. So I thought, how do I make this work? <laughs> how do you make this work? So through a bizarre accident, time gets screwed up, and a present-day man, Benedict, meets a Hollywood starlet from the 1940s, Catherine Hepburn. Okay, so the man and the woman, I haven't given names yet, still in workshop stage, yep. being the perfect combination of present-day chic and vintage Hollywood become the most hip thing on the planet. They out-hipster the hipsters. <laughs> so their meeting inspires the man's friend, who will be played by Noel Fielding. What? <laughs> awesome. uh, to create a real version of the fictional magazine he once saw on a TV show, The Mighty Boosh, <laughs> called Cheekbone Magazine. <laughs> now, the thing behind this is um, what to... Catherine Hepburn and Benedict Cumberbatch have in common excellent cheekbone structure <laughs> which brought to mind Cheekbone Magazine and Noel Fielding right. <laughs> so the the, the, um, the, the, the thing for Cheekbone Magazine uh, is that it's so cutting edge it goes out it goes out of date every three hours <laughs> <laughs> so the creator of Cheekbone Magazine he can't get enough of this couple and he helps them along their rise to uh, mega stardom um, meanwhile, uh, other people from the past have started popping up and the magazine starts covering all sorts of famous people as long as they have ma- amazing cheekbones. 
So Pepper throughout the film, it's a kind of like a when Harry met Sally throughout the film, you get glimpses of like people just talking about things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the like a, a fictionalized version of themselves. Right. Uh, they're talking about how they first appeared in Cheekbone magazine. And soon all anyone wants are amazing cheekbones. People go so far as to have surgery to make them look like Angelina Jolie and, Mal- and Maleficent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the couple are the ultimate and cool, no one else can possibly come close. So jealousy starts taking over among the elite and tall poppy syndrome cuts in and people start to despise the couple. So that's as far as I got the story. So there's obviously some drama coming in there. Um, and so uh, we've, you've got the, the top, top three main cast is Benedict Cumberbatch, Catherine Hempel and Noel Fielding um, but also I've uh, uh, sort of I thought about there's a bit of a cheat casting real people as themselves but I've, I've, I've cast some people as themselves who also have amazing cheekbones <laughs> so obviously Angelina Jolie is in there yeah. whether or not she goes to, so far as to have actual surgery to make herself look like herself in the movie I don't know yet that would be pretty funny if she did though <laughs> David Bowie makes an appearance a very young David Bowie Johnny Depp 1980s era Johnny Depp makes an appearance very young 1960s Sophia Loren makes an nice. appearance. <laughs> Natalie Portman, present day Natalie Portman makes an appearance. Kate Blanchett, sort of Lord of the Rings era, Kate right. Blanchett makes an appearance. Uh, and, and going with that, Orlando Bloom, they sort of they, they have it, they're together talking about their appearance in Cheekbone magazine as their characters from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, Cher. Pops up, yeah. a young Cher, um, um, Kevin Bacon, because he can't have a, a movie with cheekbone <laughs> celebrities without Kevin Bacon and some sort of degrees from <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a very young Elvis Presley and, a, and a, an extremely young Frank Sinatra. <laughs> extremely young, like infant? No, uh, I like like in his 20s when, yeah. he's, when he's very thin and his cheekbones are very prominent. Yeah, that- for yeah. that late forties, yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's that's my that's my pitch. Um, it hasn't gone. So, it hasn't got a green light yet. I, I can't imagine why. <laughs> well, fresh fresh after his disappointment from Object, Nichols, uh, Nichol. yeah, Andrew Nichols jumps on board of uh, Cheekbone Magazine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. You know, you say would yeah, it wouldn't be greenlit, but it's very reminiscent of a film that they used to make all the time back in the. The forties and the thirties uh, and the forties, in which you know you'd have a vague sort of plot line involving some sort of uh, you know uh, stock standard characters, but the selling point for the film would be cameos from famous people. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, which they tried to do recently with movie forty three, and that tanked deservedly. I haven't so. seen it, but it tanked big time. Mm. Um, but that's the sort of film that you've got there, just that you've got a nice little time travel element as well. And I'm sort of sitting there listening to that, going, "Okay, so can." You can't cast Kate, uh, Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn because she's played Catherine Hepburn before, but then have her come back later on as herself as well in a weird sort of... Oh, I didn't think of that. I was actually thinking of using more um, holographic actors. Okay. So she's actually got Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's also that's a, a nice twist. Mm. She could probably pull that off. If she could do Bob Dylan. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was, I, I thought that was fun. That was you a lot of fun. fun. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. All right, cool. I'm glad. Yes.
from the racks makes us try for return. Yeah. All new, all different Marvel. As opposed to the last time they were all new, all different Marvel <laughs> now, which was only two, three years ago. So what we're going to do is uh, briefly just sort of discuss what all new, all different Marvel is and then uh, go through the titles. Um, I think that, that sort of works. Unless yeah, you had that last so. in mind. Okay, cool. So all new, all new, different Marvel is the 2015-2016 branding of Marvel Comics' entire line of comics taking place after the crossover called Secret Wars. And had like 60-odd titles, I believe. From Something on those sort of lines, yeah. 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 Um, it started with a... Uh, and basically, the Secret, Secret Wars, just to very briefly describe that, was uh, the universe gets destroyed, the Marvel Universe is destroyed, and uh, there is one particular planet that's held together uh, by the power of Doctor Doom, which is one story, and who uh, and it's comprised of different, uni- different universes, and then the end result is that uh, the universe is recreated, uh, New 52-style, um, and the alternate universe no longer exists, and it's now amalgamated the Marvel universes with the with the ultimate universe. That's it in a nutshell. I actually recommend that you read Secret Wars. I, I actually quite enjoyed it, um, but just the actual main titles—that's <laughs> the rest of it. Was... Um, actually, I haven't read it yet. Oh, there you uh, go. I wanted to go into this uh, like clean and just sort of look at it as its own thing, oh, as, a, okay. as an extension right. of right. Secret Wars. Awesome. Right, well, there's a very very brief review of the Secret Wars. Uh, brilliant artwork. Uh, quite enjoyable story, but I've got to tell you, at the end there, Reed Richards, what a dick. There you go, moving on. <laughs> uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to reveal why, because it reveals the end of the story, but it's a dick move, man. Anyway, so, the titles of all new, all different. So, it's, I mean, it's just nothing new. It means any comic reader will know this universes get revamped. Mm. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It's just the way it works. And uh, this is, there's, they're not doing anything all that all that different that they haven't done before. Mm. Uh, but there's a couple of things we want to pick on. Yeah. I mean, as in... As in pick up on them. Yeah. <laughs> um, it should be pointed out too, unlike uh, DC's relaunch, this one isn't a, um, you know, everything starts from scratch. Pretty much it seems like they're just following one from all the old comics, just yeah. with new number ones, you know, like they did six months ago with some of these titles. I mean, some of these titles got, got like, they finished because of Secret Wars after about five issues and have now relaunched with new number ones anyway. But yeah, but yeah this, is, this isn't a, a, a reboot, a total reboot. It's a soft reboot. It has it has reboot elements to it, but yeah. I mean it's it's not like say Spider Man doesn't have the history that Spider Man has had or anything no, like that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't it didn't pull a fifty two. Yeah. Um. It's it is interesting though that it's actually they all start six months after a particular event. So Secret Wars comes to an end, and then Cyclops does something that hasn't been revealed what yet. So Cyclops has done something, um, no. following on from the the mutant revolution stuff that has been going on with Cyclops. Well, Cyclops um, is a bit of a dick anyway. <laughs> well, he is now, but he's never... Yeah, he has been for years. <laughs> ever, ever since he ditched his wife to rush off to his old girlfriend. I think. Ever, from that point from on. That point yeah, onwards, yeah, right. He's been a bit, he's a, bit of a dick. I love Cyclops. He's awesome. Um, anyway, so, so, so Cyclops has done something. It's, it, to my knowledge, it still hasn't been revealed exactly what. Um, and the world has changed. Uh, the um, Inhumans have... Uh, no. Somebody. I think it's the government. Somebody releases the Terrigen Mists into the atmosphere and has basically changed the biosphere of Earth itself. Uh, And that's had uh, the unfortunate consequences of uh, killing off, or making making sterile and making sick mutants. So the actual sort of Homo Superior 
are now uh, basically can't live on Earth anymore without drugs to sustain them, and um, they're, they're sick all the time, and their powers flare up, and all that sort of stuff. And it's also unfortunately has made them sterile as long as they remain in contact with terrigen mists. Um, we'll delve on this a bit more. Um, and uh, uh, so the humans, the inhumans, have become a major player, um, and it also means more inhumans. So basically, anybody who was a latent inhuman has now been tricked uh, because it's actually now in the atmosphere. You've got no other way of getting around it. Uh, so this, of course, plays into uh, the current situation. Um, I just want to delve a little bit into the, sort of pol- the politics of it. So this, of course, del- delves into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's uh, so Marvel do not have uh, Marvel Studios don't have rights to use the X Men um, and uh, and all the Fantastic Four. And so the rumors are it hasn't been. It's nothing is confirmed. I just want to point that out. But the rumors are, and I, I actually believe them, is that they are now basically stopping the X-Men and the Fantastic Four in the Marvel Universe because they don't want to give free characters to the studios that control those properties. Yeah. Uh, that's why I was smirking before because yeah. I thought, well, that's a convenient way of getting the X-Men off mm-hmm. Earth and out of the immediate universe without cancelling the X-Men. Yeah. And, and it, should be, it should be noted that in support of this, theory. let's call it theory, yeah. um, there is no Fantastic Four book being published anymore. That's right. Yeah. There's no Fantastic... I just wanted to sink that in. No There's Fantastic Four no Fantastic Four book being published. And the usual thing is, come, oh, no, it was very organic. It was completely natural it's, way for the... And it's like, yeah, no, no, no. That's it's bullshit. And no. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, it hasn't been officially confirmed, obviously. And it's never going to be, let's be honest. But I think it's very true. It's very obvious. The Marvel Universe is now being shaped to serve the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Um, it's obvious. It's quite clearly that's what's happening. I deny it. Um, <laughs> um, whether that's a bad thing or not is, you know, up to your interpretation. But, I mean, it's just that is that is what's happening, let's be honest. Can we now call these people, you know, cinematic deniers? Cinematic <laughs> deniers, yes. Um, anyway, so... You are a cinematic sceptic, Crystal. <laughs> the titles. Um, is that that's enough background, do you think? Yeah, I think that, that's, pretty, that pretty much sets up why this has yep. all happened. So. Cool. All right, so let's go through the titles in alphabetical order. Why not? A-Force, Volume 2, G. W. G. Willow Wilson and George Molina on art. Hmm. Nice art. I actually quite like George Very Molina. Nice. He's, I quite uh, like George Molina. And, and he's the kind of artist you want drawing a book like this. Like, this yeah. is the all-female team. Yeah. And he draws great female characters without making it all, you know titillating or you know he's not like an ed bennis butt shot kind of artist he yeah. actually draws these characters and draws each woman like interesting and distinct and um look this one has promise i like the team i like the characters on the team yeah i don't know, I don't know. We'll see where it goes i'm not i'm not even gonna call devil's advocate and protect myself I actually mm. part of the the new wave these new waves of titles and stuff i think it's pretty much this one this title and another title which we'll get to later on in the, in the thing is is this this new diversity business so you've got a, an entire book of uh of female characters which in my in my opinion just does not make all that much sense and it's being done purely for political reasons and i have multiple views on this subject i i am all for diversity right i, I totally agree with that and i have nothing against a team of all female characters because some of the characters are awesome uh, no problem with that at all but when it's done for political reasons it really irritates me and this time right. was one of those things but it, I'll, I'll, I'm actually more annoyed about something else later on we'll get to well my point with this was um, 
it, it features ca- a lot of characters that I love that yeah. don't necessarily get the spotlight and, right. and the difficulties in trying to give female characters solo books and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I actually don't mind that because it's giving these characters a bit of a spotlight and I, and I like these characters. So I, I actually, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, you but know, you see what I'm saying though? Yeah. Because I, mean, I agree. I, I like the title. I like a G.W. Willow Wilson is a good, is a, is a great writer. Yeah. Um, and I like some of the characters. Yeah. I just don't like the reason it exists. Just on a, you, do you then feel that you can possibly separate yourself from the politics a little bit and then enjoy this in a, as as a thing in and of itself? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. It's good enough to it's good enough to do that. Yeah, yeah. So so you'd, read, you'd read regardless of the politics. Yeah. Would you read on? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, and, so and far, I'd yeah. describe yeah. So far, I would describe it as entertaining and showing a lot of promise. Yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Mark Goodenheim on writing and German Paralta on art. Look, I, I just don't... I just, I just need to point out, this is just... I'm not just mentioning the writers and pencilers. I'm not intentionally trying to snub inkers, colorists, or anything like that. Traces, um, you mean? <laughs> I have... Um, I just... One of the things that annoys me about, um, about the modern Marvel comic universe, and it may be because of the cinema universe, is that S.H.I.E.L.D. just appear to be everywhere. Yeah. And I'm sick to death of S.H.I.E.L.D. being everywhere. They seem to be in every book. And, and it's like, and now they've got their own book as well. And I just I don't care enough to really want to read it because I'm not that interested in S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's, and I mean, I actually, I mean, I said it at the start, it, it's it, whether that irks you or not is up to you. And I, unfortunately, I am actually one of the ones that where it irks me. Like, I, I don't like them... Um, I'll touch on the diversity thing a little bit later, but I, I don't like the fact that they're shoehorning the characters to reflect the cinematic versions of them now, yeah. um, or in this case, the TV versions of them. So, I mean, Quake, you know, so Quake shows up in Marvel's Agents of Shields, the TV show, um, but, you know, I mean, she has a different name, and I don't, I don't watch the show because the show's tip, but it's, it's, they're now changing the comic version of Quake, Daisy, to reflect the yeah. TV version of it and the TV version of it is boring as shit <laughs> and the comic version has always been awesome she was awesome when she first started yeah. she's been awesome the entire way yeah. and so that's and it's and it follows on to that sort of thing I mean and now you get Coulson's everywhere yeah and I love Coulson yeah. but I'm just sick of seeing the guy same with Maria Hill I'm yeah. sick to death of Maria Hill yeah. as well got ya all new all different Avengers writer Mark Wade, artist Mah Ma- Mahmoud Asra and Adam Kubert. Yeah, um, look, I'm just glad to see an Avengers book that looks like it might actually be fun. Yeah. Like, the Avengers books have been so depressing for so long, and um, this looks like, uh, this one, it, it entertained me. There, there was a lot of, it's really all set up, you know, and it is that, you know, team just randomly coming together thing. But I actually don't mind that that sort of trope amongst comics, and uh, I like I like the characters. First of all, he's got Miss Marvel. Yeah, and Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel. And we all love Ms. Marvel. She's awesome. She is awesome. Um, and I'm actually, I must admit, I don't mind the way that Wade, at least, is writing this new Nova character. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, this one, this one, you know, this one entertained once again, and uh, once again, shows a lot of promise. I'm actually quite enjoyed it. It's one of their, it's what they've called uh, one of their legacy titles. Yeah. So you've got um, the characters played by different versions of their characters. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's Sam Wilson's Captain America. Yeah. Uh, the Iron Man is a girl. Yeah. Um, uh, Ms. Marvel, Kamala, who yep. we, every, all our regular listeners know how much I love her. Yeah. Uh, the, the young teenage version of uh, Nova, Sam. Yeah. Uh, Miles as Spidey. Yeah. Which, 
brilliant. Um, Jane Foster's Thor. Yeah. Uh, and a new version, and Vision, so a new version of Vision, but still the mm. same Vision. So he's essentially the only one mm. sort of there. And uh, and I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not a huge fan of the story so far, mm. but to have those characters, mm. awesome. Well, I, love, I love Miles and Kamala's yeah, interactions. Yeah. Um, I think um, Mark Wade's strength has always been as a character writer. Mm. So his plots, his plots can be good, his plots can be bad, his plots can be okay, but it's always the strength of character that makes his books worth reading. Yeah. And I think he's, he's on fire in that regard here. All new Hawkeye, Jeff Lemire and Raymond Perez. Yeah, points to Lemire and Perez for basically just continuing on from the old Hawkeye series like it's the same writer and artist team. Like yeah. this, this book, it hasn't missed a beat. Yeah. Uh, it's still it's still fun and cool and entertaining. I love the interaction between uh, Clint Barton and Kate Bishop. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Kate Bishop is brilliant. Kate Bishop is very cool. <laughs> Uh, feel free to jump in if you're ready. Uh, I will want. I will want. I, I will want. Uh, all new in humans. Charles Saul and James Asmus, uh, writers Stefano Casali and Art. Um, I'm sick to death of the Inhumans. Actually, I can't stand them. Can't the, stand them. I think the problem is is that they've. I I'd have no problem with them repositioning the Inhumans because I actually like the Inhuman characters. Yeah. But they've gone completely overboard with it. Yeah. I, I, I like the Inhumans as well, but I like the original Inhumans. Yeah. Like this new generation. Well, the characters just aren't that interesting, yeah. Yeah, they're Agreed. all boring. Is that also coming from the fact that the Inhumans are now, you know, are now the byword for mutants? Yeah. Yeah, pretty well? much. So that, you know, in, 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 a, in a, getting back to the politics, um, you know, mutant, not, not wanting to refer to the X-Men because the X-Men moves aren't making the money, even though they are because they're distributed, they're, you know, they've got deals going on, so they still they still get something from the films and but the Inhumans trying to counter that yeah. so they've still got something yeah. yeah I don't dislike them for political reasons I dislike them because I think they're boring yeah. that's what, I, everywhere that's, yeah. my, my problem is is that the great thing about the Inhumans and the things that sort of made them different from the mutants was that the Inhumans lived in this other city and they were hidden away and there was yeah. something mysterious about them yeah. now it's like every human is suddenly an inhuman, and so therefore they are just mutants. So therefore, you've, the thing that made the inhumans interesting in the first place mm. has now gone, yeah. and they've just become yeah the mutant metaphor. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The minute that, they that, that annoys me a bit. Yeah, but the title itself was, eh, I don't know. Neither here nor there. Uh, all new Wolverine with Australia's own Tom Taylor writing and uh, art from David Lopez. Um, I'm enjoying this. I love X23. I was going to say, you're the big X23 um, fan. I, so. Actually, I, I, I quite like the art. Um, I've always liked Tom Taylor's writing. Um, he's not, he's, I wouldn't say he's perfect, but he's definitely very good. Um, and I love X23. So I'm enjoying it. So X23 has uh, taken up the mantle of Wolverine now that Wolverine's dead. Um, and uh, the current storyline that they're with, with the, with, uh, they're dealing with the idea well, well, if they had her, she's number 23, then what happens to the other clones? Yeah. And so they're dealing with the other sort of the other clones, and um, yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. The cool. I'm, I think I'm an issue behind, maybe I don't know. The last issue I read was uh, they teamed up with Doctor Strange, which again the shoehorning in because it's going to be a Doctor Strange movie. But <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, I, I quite liked their banter. <laughs> it was pretty cool, and she looks awesome. All new X Men, Dennis Hopeless on writing and Mark Bagley on art. Uh, the artwork's nice. Yeah, I mean Mark Bagley. Can't really go wrong, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I was quite enjoying the uh, the all new X Men title uh, before the reboot. Um, this new one, what is the what's the current what's the current story now? It's the 
the children of Cyclops or something. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's like a group of kids. Either they're the voice of the ghosts of Cyclops because Cyclops is dead after whatever he did six months ago, and and these guys are running around and Scott. A real Cyclops, but the younger time displaced version of him is upset about what older Cyclops did, and it does that mean he's eventually going to become a bastard too? And probably, and I don't know. I just it's just not interesting. No, it's just not no, doing it for me. No. Um, moving on, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Volume Four, uh, continuing to be written by Dan Slott and art. And I know I'm going to get this wrong. Giuseppe Carmencoli. That's pretty good. Carmencoli. That's close enough. That's pretty close. Um, this is interesting. Yeah. This is interesting, man. One, one of the complaints that I had about um, when DC relaunched was, if you're going to go for something different, go for something different. Do, yeah. Give us something new and something that, that hasn't been done before. And, and that's really what they've done with Amazing Spider-Man. And I've got to say, I am absolutely fascinated with this book. Really? Yeah. Like I'm this take, this well, I mean, I've always said Peter Parker is, is, is this great inventor. Like, yeah. you know... So why is it he patenting stuff and actually making money that way? And 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 what I like about this book is it's showing us that that genius scientist side of him, yeah. But without losing sight of who Peter Parker is, yeah. you know, it's like yeah, my company's making all this money, and all of that money is going back into trying to help people, yeah. and so it's not losing sight. Whilst it's completely changed, um, he's essentially become Iron Man. Yeah, but he's not Iron Man. That's right. And that's and that's the thing. It's like, what if Peter Parker suddenly did what we'd all been saying? Why doesn't he use the, his, you know, all of his scientific knowledge to make millions? Yep. But then, how would Peter Parker? How would the great responsibility character then deal with all of that? Yep. And I'm I'm intrigued by this take. Yep. You know, it's it's it is very different. It's very radical. And yes, you're not seeing the you know the down on his luck Peter that we're always used to. But to be honest with you, I'm kind of glad. I'm yeah. glad that this is a whole new take on the character whilst maintaining everything that made that character awesome to begin with. I'm with him. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, yeah. I, I wanted to do a bit of Devil Advocate. But, yeah. Um, yeah, when I first heard about it, I've got to admit, I was like, come on. You know, I mean, this is yeah. not what Spider-Man's all about. Yeah. But you're right. They've kept... Mm. I mean, he's essentially become Iron Man. Yeah. But his character yeah. hasn't, and that's what's yeah. important. Yeah, that's right. There's, there's still the whole... And there's the whole bit in the first issue about the un- setting up the Uncle Ben... Yeah. foundation everything so he hasn't lost sight of who he is and where exactly. he came from yeah um plus there is this a uh, sort of a theme running through pretty much the rest of the marvel universe that no one else has money yeah so suddenly <laughs> peter parker's been the one guy that does have cash and that's kind of cool I like and that. it's always good to see mockingbird shop yeah mockingbird awesome. it looks like it might become a love interest i, I, I hope not am i, I behind just, an issue or something but I, I hope not there's a bit of sexual tension happening yeah yeah but i do i do like her as a supporting cast member though because mockingbird awesome mm. Dan's lot cops a lot of flack. I don't know why. Because he's always trying to do something different with Spider Man. That's right. He's I, always, he's always trying that. to do something. Yeah. He doesn't always doesn't always hit it. I mean, yeah. I actually thought Spider Island was terrible. Yeah. But at least he's trying. Mm. I mean, jeez. But then he did Superior Spider Man, and that was pretty good. Which is awesome. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Angela. Now this is interesting. I want to Angela, Queen of Hell, Marguerite uh, Bennett, writer, uh, art for Kim Jacinto and Stephanie Hounds. Okay, I'll be honest. Until the controversy. I had no interest in this book whatsoever because yeah. I just never found Angela interesting when she was an image character, yeah. um, let alone as a Marvel character. Um, I read the issue in question and I don't see the problem. Yeah. It's narrated by a character and that character chooses not to give the reader what Boss is. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Hmm. You know, it was interesting, you know. Um, so, so the controversy... 
I think is a blown completely out of proportion. Yeah. Because no one's focusing on the actual story. They're all focusing on this one scene. Yeah. Um, look, the book... Without the title itself? Yeah. It is it, what it is. It is what it is, and I'm, but I'm not really interested... One, once again, Angela yeah. doesn't do it for me as a character, so... I'm with you. I'm not going to continue to Her Secret read. Wars title I read and enjoyed mainly for the art. Right. The art was magnificent. Right. But the story as well, I mean, it's Angela, I just don't care. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. don't, don't give a crap. Yeah. Um, and this thing as well. And, you know, and... And then I'm just going to tie it back into the diversity stuff. I mean, uh, not only we having different races, we're having different sexualities. So, mm. and she's one of them. She's uh, is in a lesbian relationship with her, which is good. And I'm totally cool with that yeah. because there's not 60 years of established history, yeah. a la Iceman, <laughs> where that's clearly not been the case. Um, so this also, one, she's, I mean, she's she's fresh yeah. and that, that's, it works perfectly. Yeah. Also, like like the Batwoman title that DC did, being lesbian isn't the only defining trait of the character. Yes. They're not like, well, this character's a lesbian. Let's talk about the fact that she's a lesbian. It's all about her being a lesbian. It's yeah. one aspect of a character, of a much sort of broader yeah. broader character. And so I appreciate that that style of writing. That's right. Um, and I, 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 just, I just want to focus, I'll touch on that a little bit more. Again, Batwoman hmm. is, I mean, she was a new character. Yeah. And that's fine. That's totally yes. fine. But as, I'm just gonna, as, a, as a long-term X-Men reader, Iceman being gay... It just does not make any sense to me. Well, the it's weird just thing utter bullshit. Is, the weird thing there is that young Iceman has come out as gay. Yeah. But old Iceman hasn't? Or no, something? he has. Yeah, oh, yeah. he has? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just, it's just, that whole scene just irritates the shit out of me because this new younger version of Jean Grey, what a bitch. <laughs> right? She's been, she's just mind reads every single person near her without permission. And then not only does that, but then reveals to her, her supposed best friend that, that you know, oh, no, actually, what are you talking about? You're actually gay. And he's like, oh, you know what? I actually am gay. Then they Which confront is... older Iceman, and, then, and he's like, oh, I've been trying to hide it for all these years because I didn't want to be a mutant and gay. And it's like, well, I've been reading 60 years of your comics, and I'm telling you, you're not gay. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> I just, it, just, it just irritates me. It's just, I mean, during, it, there's so, yeah, multiple, what you're saying is multiple you... things in this story that irritate me. Jean Grey... The new young version of Jean Grey, she's scared that she's going to be eventually become Phoenix and all the horrible stuff's going to happen. Yep. But she's a far worse character than the original <laughs> Jean Grey. She's far worse. Original Jean Grey doesn't go mind-reading people just willy-nilly. It's ridiculous. And then, of course, the whole Iceman being gay when he clearly is not. I've got nothing, see, I've got nothing against different, exploring different sexuality and characters, right? Yeah. Angela, Batwoman, that sort of stuff, right? Northstar was clearly gay. 60 years Iceman was not gay and now suddenly it's, it's just pointless. Make new characters yeah. gay. Make this new inhuman go- idiot Inferno gay. I mean, or let's the, face it, it probably is. It, it's the fanboy writing approach. It's like yeah. for years people have been joking online that Iceman is gay and so therefore we'll just make him gay. It's, it's, uh, ah, it irritates me. I just, oh my God, I've got to move on before I crack it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, too late. It's too late. <laughs> Seriously. And I'm not even that emotially involved. So Iceman, I've, I've always liked him. You know, Spider Man, he's amazing friends. But, it's, but uh, oh, imagine if it happened to someone I was actually cared that much about. Anyway, moving on. Astonishing Ant Man, Nick Spencer, Ramon Rosanis. I like this book. You like it? I like it. Yeah. I I look, like, I, I, the the, the news Air Man. I mean, they're I, clearly going for the cinematic Air Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, I'm one of the five people in the universe that has actually always been a fan of Scott Lang. Like, mm. Loved the character from when I first encountered him in, um, in like, Iron Man back during the Michelini Leighton yeah. John Romita run. So I've always liked him. Um, I like the fact that um, Cassie's back to life. 
um, yeah. and and part of the story and everything. And um, yeah, I gotta say, I'm enjoying this book. Yeah, and, uh, the whole the whole hiring of Grizzly. And, yeah, that was awesome and stuff. And they've got the, the the other guy. I can't remember his name, but you know, he's a villain and he's he pretends to be yeah, but he's still a villain. Uh, Machine Smith. Yeah, yeah, Machine yeah. Smith. The, fact, the yeah. fact that he's hired a whole bunch of ex cons, but yeah. they're not really ex cons. Like they're still talking about how they can use their powers. And it's correct me if I'm wrong, but Nick Spencer is also the one that was writing the foes of. Foes of Spider-Man one, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that right? Foes yeah, of Spider-Man, yeah. God damn, I love that book. <laughs> um, yeah, see, I enjoy it. Uh, More Bedlam. Bedlam, yes. Nick Spencer. <laughs> yes, Bedlam is awesome. Um, Black Knight, Volume 4, uh, Frank Tiari and Luca Pizzari. I'm very interested to hear your take on this. Uh, Frank Tiari is one of those guys who... He's, he's like the Ron Howard of writing. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing bad about what he writes... But there's nothing that really leaps out and says, oh, my God, I've got to be reading this book. Yeah. Now, I love the Black Knight as well. Like, big fan of the Black Knight, but this book's just kind of there. And what about Black Knight as a villain? Yeah. It makes sense. It's not like it hasn't happened before. Yeah, sort of. I think it's it's an interesting take on the fact that he's he's got himself a solo title. But he's a bad guy. Yeah. And so they're, they're really playing up on sort of the lives of the villains and stuff. Yeah. But I've got to tell you, this I, is very... I'm, you hit it on the nail on the head. This is very Ron Howard. It's, it's, it's a sort of thing where the character's kind of interesting and yeah. the premise is kind of interesting, but the execution is just there. Gotcha. And I'm not disliking it, but I can't say that I'm sold on it just yet. There's worse titles out there, but I'm not spending my money on it. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther Volume 6. <laughs> they're really pushing this hard. Uh, written by, uh, once again, Ta-Nahisi. Yeah. Ta-Nahisi Coates. What a brilliant name. Uh, art by Brian Stillfreeze. Yeah, okay. First things first. Brian Stillfreeze, awesome artist. Brilliant. I love that guy's artwork. Yeah. And and just what, what a what a perfect artist to be doing Black Panther. Yeah. Love And, and love it's interesting it. to take. So now with... Um, so Black Panther, during the Secret Wars event, manipulated the events. Yes. So that Wakanda is not only back, because it's something that happened to it in the Marvel Universe, but now... Is a is at the forefront of space exploration, yep. um, so they've always been technologically advanced. Yeah. But now they're just they're a major power in the Marvel universe, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm intrigued by where this is going. Yeah, definitely. That's good. That's um, good. And I yeah, like the, the, the Black Panther is a very different character now to the one that I grew up with. Yeah. But I've I've kind of accepted that that's the case with most of the Marvel characters. And so I've kind of just set that aside, and I'm now looking at them as new characters. Right. Um, He's been different ever since the Illuminati bullshit. And, and that's the thing. I basically, yeah. I, I've made my personal cutoff point, uh, Avengers Disassembled. Gotcha. Right? I've gone from that point onwards, these characters are completely different. And if I read it that way, then it doesn't really bother me that the characters are completely really? different. Because I've got to tell you, just as we move back a bit, I'm intrigued that you suggested this segment because you've done nothing but rag on Marvel That's because Marvel's for months writing, on end. That's because Marvel's writing has been pretty poor over the last few right. years. But you think this is a bit of a resurgence in quality? It's hard to say. Like, if you remember when we did the DC one, we were actually pretty excited by a lot of those books and, and in many respects, yeah, well, most... Yeah, most of those books have kind of fizzled out, yeah. and things have gone downhill. So I'm, I'm intrigued by this, and 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 you know, I grew up a Marvel person. Yeah, like I was much more of I'm a Marvel zombie. reader. Yeah, so so I want Marvel to be good, yeah. and I'm hoping that this will be this will be a good relaunch. But I'm not jumping, you know, screaming into Marvel just yet. Right. Black Widow Volume Six, written by Mark Wade, art by Chris Semney. Yep, these guys could do anything, and I would read it. Yeah, I don't know. Wade so. and Samney, awesome. Their Daredevil run was brilliant. Yeah. And I like this and I'm I'm sticking with it. Okay. 
Yeah, it's. I say it's not doing it for me. Well, I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Black Widow, to be honest with you. Yeah, never been a huge Black Widow fan, but I, I like what they're doing, and yeah, I'll stick with it because they are. Awesome. Was better. Uh, the Phil Noto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked Volume Five as well. Yeah. Um, uh, Blade Volume Seven. Tim Seeley on writing and Logan Farber on art. Farber. This is Blade. Did this even come out? Ah, I haven't even read it. Didn't even realize it was out yet. Captain America, Sam Wilson, written by Nick Spencer, art with the always awesome Daniel Lacuna. <laughs> Holy shit, this guy's brilliant. Okay, I, I gotta say, I put this up there with Spider Man yep. from just going, nah, stuff it. We're not just gonna toe the line. Yep. We're gonna have, here is Captain America. And he has a political statement about I know. about America. The scene on the on the plane, yeah, that, that whole issue where he's yeah. on the plane in economy, yep, yep. and then, and they talk about all the political machinations that's been going on. Like yeah, he explains why he's flying yeah. on the plane and stuff. And, and I gotta say, Great. I love this. Yeah, love absolutely it love it. Yeah. Um, uh, once again, this was Spencer again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Nick Spencer. I've got to say, he's doing really well here at he's Marvel. On fire. I, I like what he's doing, and um, yeah, no, I'm I'm all for this. I love Sam Wilson as a character, anyway. Yeah. And I I love the fact that he's become Captain America because he is Cap's go-to guy. He's his best friend. Makes you know, perfect sense. Makes absolute perfect sense. Love the new design, and I love the take that the book is 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 giving us. I love this new political version of Cap. It's awesome. Yeah. And again, going back to my diversity rant, this is where it works. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, well, I, I'm, well, I'm loving this book. Even when you become a werewolf guy, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Well, like 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 you said, there is you know 50, 60 years worth of history between the Falcon and Captain America, yeah. then it makes perfect sense that this is the guy that yeah. Cap would go to. Totally. So, totally yeah. agree. I, I've, I've nothing against it. Yeah. No, it love, loving this book and loving political Cap. Uh, Left wing socialist Cap. <laughs> Captain Marvel Volume 9. They're really trying hard with this girl. Mm. It's, uh, it's, you know, uh, written by Tara Butters and Michelle Fazekas. Uh, art by Chris Anker. Hmm. This is one of the few that I've read because I'm a big fan of the cosmic um, side of Marvel. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually. I hadn't read the previous series, um, the Secret Wars series, or the the, pre- the previous no. eight series, or whatever. Yeah, as in the, the the series directly before Secret Wars. Yeah. Okay. Um, but and I said they're going okay. So we've now we've now turned them into a Marvel core. So there's no more Nova core. It feels like it's now a Marvel Nova core or whatever or what have you. But there felt it felt like it's about was, the new the latest book. Yeah. I mean Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight. Okay. So yeah. It felt like the entire issue was basically telling me what the status quo is for these guys and not actually getting into a story of any kind. Yeah. Um, the issue's and, terrible. And that's what, and that, you know, it's the first issue you want your audience to be writing. The thing is, I, I guess I have to clarify. Actually, I quite like Carol as a character, right? Mm. I actually think she's very, she's awesome. Yeah. Um, a bit, I just, what I can't stand is there's this constant pulling and, and tugging on her mm. to try and force her onto us. It's like, it's like, just accept the fact that nobody cares and stop producing these books like put her in a team book somewhere if you want to have Carol because I don't want to lose Carol as a character I think she's awesome but the solo book it just does not work and it's just, just and she's just she's it's just they're just going to give it up I think they're just going to have to come up with a, a more interesting creative response yeah yeah I'd actually agree with that I'd, I'd like I'd like Captain Marvel to have her own book and for yeah. the book to continue um, as long as it's good just, just give me something a little bit more interesting yeah, yeah. and I mean you know when, when, when you know you look at say once again Ms. Marvel yeah which has been Top to bottom, awesome from when it first started. Hmm. That just just give me an interesting approach to Captain Marvel that I can really sink my teeth into with a good yeah. creative team. I think Captain Marvel is a perfect example of a book that only exists because there is a movie coming out. Possibly, yeah. Uh, 
And this one, this one is bizarre. Carnage by Jerry Conway and Mike Perkins. Why does Carnage have his own title? I, I didn't read this because I don't care. Artwork's awesome. The idea from the start was actually quite interesting. It's him. It's very it's very much aliens. It's him in a mine shaft with a whole bunch of trapped people. But I just don't understand why this... I mean, the guy is an, a psychopathic villain and he has his own title. I just don't get it. Um, like I said, I don't care. Yeah. Carnage is just a poor man's version of Venom. And even Venom's not great these days. That's so. right. Venom didn't even deserve his own title. So Carnage, no. That's that lethal protector business? Rubbish. Yeah. yeah, I just don't get it. This doesn't... doesn't it? Right, this one, this one, uh, Contest of Champions uh, by Al Ewing and Paco Medina. It only exists because of the game. Um, it's uh, so it's 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 a tie-in to the actual game itself. Right. Uh, and but it's it's it makes me laugh because we have a segment on the show called Clash of Champions, obviously, which I had to rename from Contest of Champions. Uh, but it's just it's it's basically Maestro versus somebody else. I don't know mm-hmm. summoning heroes and villains to fight for them and mm. there's a new character there's a m- much uh, hoopla about this new character I actually can't remember who the hell she is but uh, I just yeah this book's just not doing it for me I gotta tell you yeah I must admit I'm a little disappointed in this I've actually liked what Al Ewing has done um, before this right um, I've, I've managed to catch up on just through recommendations by people online I managed to catch up on stuff like uh, Mighty Avengers book that he was writing before everything got cancelled and and a couple other little so it was Mighty Avengers yeah oh right okay. yeah. and I've got to say um, I, I, I've liked his work just mm. in general uh, but yeah I'm not sure about this one oh no Daredevil Volume 5 Charles Sewell and Ron Garney this one it looks like it might be kind of interesting but I'm not really sold on it just yet love, love Ron Garney's artwork yeah um, and he's, he's really quite a moody artist here which is you know good for Daredevil um, the idea of Daredevil as a prosecution yeah. lawyer rather than a defense lawyer, I'm not really sure about. But Sule is a lawyer, so I'll, I'll I'll give him a chance to sort of see where he's going. But yeah, I'm not sure yet. Not sure yeah. about this one. That, just I've not read it. Um, but that just here you talking about it does seem like a very sudden about face, given how yeah. liberal Matt Murdock is meant to be in his. Approach to uh, approach to helping people in that you yeah. know, he's a is yeah. a is a, a defence and a civil attorney because he actually wants to help people not yeah put and that's people the thing away. that's the thing it's, it's it's really a question of where he's going to go with that and this is one of the ones that has started later than the other books so I'm not really sure yet what's where it's going Deadpool Volume Four Jerry Dugan Duggan and Mike Hawthorne don't care about the movie don't care about this. I'm pretty much the same. I didn't read this one because I just have no interest in Deadpool. Yeah. And I'll get to a complaint about that for another book later on. But yeah, this okay. just didn't do it for me. Yeah. Not, not interested. I mean, I, I, I like Deadpool as a character, but I'm just, I'm over it. Followed up by Deadpool and the Mercs for Money by Colleen Bunn and Salva Espin. Yeah, well, I didn't read the other Deadpool book, so I'm not going to read this one either. It's an interesting idea, but getting a whole bunch of uh, third and fourth string mercenary guys to dress up as... Different various versions of of Deadpool and and you're right about the whole um with the with the money thing you mentioned before now Deadpool's just suddenly rolling in dough because he sold uh, the merchandising rights yeah <laughs> so it's like I find that I find that kind of funny but yeah but yeah Deadpool I'm just, it's too much Deadpool yeah although I do want to see the film uh, Doctor Strange Volume Four Jason Aaron Chris Bacalo I'm actually really enjoying um this yep 
Um, I think the nice the nice thing is that uh, unlike some of the others, I don't have to. I didn't have to. Didn't feel the need to go back and reread other versions of Doctor Strange, or um, the Secret War, the Secret Wars miniseries to tie in. It was just you know this is this is where we're at. This is what the nature of magic is at the moment, and this is what Stephen Strange is actually struggling with. And you know he's building up a long term story. But the other the other nice thing is that he's taken a character that a lot of people shy away from because they find him inaccessible, and he's trying really hard to make him. Make him accessible, without detracting from Doctor Strange's previous incarnations. He's still aloof. He's still a bit of a prick. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, there is actually a sense of you know his position in the rest of the the um, the Marvel Magic Universe. And one of the nice things is he goes to a uh, it goes to a, a bar for um, for sorcerers where he frequently meets the Scarlet Witch and some of the other magic users, and they talk shop. And it's kind of a nice way just to sort of bring out some other sides of Stephen Strange. Mm. Um, so they, are they reverted? Because so, uh, I read this, I, I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. But is, so is Scar- Scarlet Witch now a magic user again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Confused. Um, yeah, I, I, I've got to agree with Luke. Loving this book. I, I love Doctor Strange anyway. Yeah. And I've never found him inaccessible or anything like that, which is a lot of reader complaints about him. Love Doctor Strange. Love this take on the character. And Chris Pacello's artwork is... Just exactly the kind of guy you want doing Doctor Strange. It's weird. It's out there. It's you know, it's it's Ditko esque in its weirdness without actually trying to copy Ditko's style. Mm. And uh, yeah, I'm really liking this book. All right, well, that's a perfect segue into why I'm not reading it because uh, controversy alert. Yeah, I actually can't stand Chris Beckler's artwork. Okay, I can't stand it. I just don't, I don't even understand what the hell I'm looking at half the time. <laughs> so, there you go. I think that's part Moving of... On. I, in a book like this, though, that's part of its charm, because you are dealing with otherworldly natures. I understand, understand perfectly mm. why he's on the book. Mm. But I can't stand it. Not <laughs> I mean, there's, there's nothing against him personally. I'm sure he's lovely. Mm. I, just, I just hated, hated his artwork. Um, okay. Generation X or whatever the hell it was. was I don't understand what the hell. Well, that goes back a while. (laughs) It it just really, uh, really frustrates me. Moving on, Drax, CM Punk, (laughs) writing with Colleen Bunn and Scott Hepburn. CM Punk writing the title, and I got to tell you, it's actually not bad. I, I, um, I haven't really read it. Mm. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy are everywhere, dude. I know, and that's that's another thing. I've I've really actually kind of sick to death of the comic version. Like ever since Bendis took over writing Guardians, I've found the characters in the book just unbearable, and so I haven't really delved into any of the spin-offs and, um, you know, solo books and team-up books and four million books that this group now has. Yeah. Because I just don't like... I don't like his take on it, whereas yeah. I loved Abnett and Lanning when they were doing mm. it. Gotcha. This take just doesn't appeal to me at all, so I just gave this one a miss. Yeah, and I agree with Richard on that one. You know, this should be one of the books that I'm reading, being a fan of Cosmic Marvel. But... Um, He's trying to shoehorn the movie characters into... Yeah. So Peter Quill, who's actually different in the Abnett and Lanning version to um, Chris Pratt's interpretation in um, in the movie. And that, you know, it's fine for the movie, fine for the movie, but attempting to shoehorn that into into the into the current comics. Yeah. Um, but doing it's... it such a bland, and that's the other thing, it's Guardians of the Galaxy, it should be, you know, interesting, roguish adventures uh, in, in the stars, and it's... You know how can we how, how can we yet again protect Earth from? Star not even part of the team anymore, though, is huh? it? Isn't he in charge of the, his planet? I haven't read since the oh. first couple of issues of Brian right. Michael Bendis's run. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, he's, so, yeah, he's, so he's taken over for his father, I believe. So I've kind of missed. Uh, yeah, I've kind of missed Drax. Yeah, 
Um, uh, Extraordinary X-Men, Jeff Lemire and Humberto Ramos. Uh, this is one I haven't gotten to yet either. I've kind of... It's rubbish. Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of just not all that interested in the X-Men anymore. Yeah. And that's partly because of this thing that Marvel does a lot where, you know, it seems like every year there's a new status quo and it's like, well, you haven't even established the old status quo and you're already changing it. And it got to the point where it's like, so why should I care? Yeah. This is and the one that, that seems did... to be the X-Men in general for me. So. Well, this is the one that sort of explained what was happening with the Terrigen Mists and the X-Men and, and where they are now because they can't be on Earth. And uh, the big, um, spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, um, the big reveal was that they're actually not in space where everybody assumed they would be. They're actually in limbo. Oh, okay. What well, the... Well, at thinking. Least, but at least at least that ties into like you know the x-men have a history with limbo especially obviously magic but they have a history of limbo, limbo exactly right so why would you voluntarily set up a base of operations there well i haven't read the book so i don't know it's what the logic stupid. is but but at least there's an established history there yeah I, i'm with you but still a ridiculous idea um it's uh colossus forge iceman gene gray's and young teenage gene gray the, uh magic Nightcrawler, Old Man Logan, and Storm. Old Man Logan. Yeah, Old Man Logan. Really? Yeah. Like alternate reality Wolverine. Yeah. Because it's like, we just don't have enough Wolverine. We killed Wolverine (laughs) off, so here we have Wolverine Wolverine off. So now we have X-33 become Wolverine, and then now Old Man Logan has survived Secret Wars. It is now part of the TV. It's just, I gotta tell you, it's it's pointless. can't say that interests me. The book is boring. Artwork is very ordinary, and I see, I actually like Ramos's artwork. Yeah, but this is not his best work, I'm telling you. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Gamora, yet another Guardians book. Nicole Perlman and Francisco Martina. And, uh, yeah, I actually don't mind it. I, I love Gamora as a character. I think she, I mean, she kicks a lot of ass. Yeah. And she's better than the, than the movie version, where she was hopeless. <laughs> What's that about? So, yeah. Not actually understanding the character that they've got. Yeah, and I guess so. that she and Star-Lord need to have a quasi-romantic... I didn't mind that. I didn't mind sexual tension. I didn't mind Star-Lord cracking onto it, because let's face it, you would. But... Gamora's meant to be one the of the deadliest, deadliest woman. in the universe. She's meant to be the deadliest, the deadliest woman in the so, universe. And not um, the film she ain't. <laughs> Once again, my Guardians thing has put me off reading the solo book, so I didn't, haven't gotten to this one. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4. Mark, Brian Michael Bendis, Valerio Shitty. I swear that's how it's Shitty, yeah. I'm assuming that's how it is, yeah. yeah I wasn't well, trying to be as smart as so. um, Yeah, um, yeah. Refer to my earlier comments about yeah. Brian Bendis writing Guardians. Stank no, you. no. Uh, Guardians of Infinity. No, I actually haven't read this. Dan Abnett, Carlo Barberi. Yep. Don't know it. I haven't read it yet, but this one I actually might give it a shot because I think it's him attempting to do it's... Uh, the old Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, it, it, following uh, on from Guardians 3000, isn't it? Uh, sort of. It's, it's kind of an amalgam team of different Guardians from different periods. Mm. And oh, there's this whole so thing it brings with, back Vans Astro and... Yeah, which is one... You've got some of that, but you've also got um, um, Rocket Raccoon and... Right. Um, but what is... There's also this this thing about Guardians 1000 as well, which is this... Like, there's obviously Guardians 3000, Guardians of the Galaxy, and now Guardians 1000. Um, look, this book has ideas. Yeah. And and that puts us ahead of the the Guardians of the Galaxy book. Does they bring the dog back? Cosmo? Cosmo. Uh, no, I don't awesome. remember Cosmo is cool. <laughs> but yeah, th- this book has ideas, and like I'm intrigued by it. I'm yeah. intrigued by where it's going, and it, it looks like it's actually going to be the big cosmic thing that um, Guardians of the Galaxy isn't. Um, like, this this seems to have the things that you want from a Guardian story 
And so, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it, it's showing promise, but it's no, probably not there yet as a book. Yeah, right, I'll check it out. I enjoyed Guardians 3002, so I will check this out. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Gwenpool. Christopher Hastings writing and uh, art, and I apologise in advance, but Guri Hura. Um, yeah, it's, um, there was a one-shot, Gwenpool one-shot, so it's Gwen Stacy as Deadpool. Um, so it's in the Nostalgia Universe, Gwen Stacy, who uh, becomes part of the Weapon X project. project. Uh, and yeah, regular series. Haven't read it. No. <laughs> Seriously, that's its premise? Yeah, well, I, I read Gwen Stacy as the, Deadpool. Wow, like, we, I understand. We, we talked about fan fiction before, mm. but my goodness. I understand Gwen Stacy is Spider Man. Yeah. Like, okay, that that works, you know, because, yeah, but, but Gwen Stacy just happens. So, like, this this college chick just happens to become part of the. I don't know. Yeah, I, not interesting. I don't know the exact details. I did. The only, the only. I haven't read the actual series. Well, maybe I have. I've read an issue where Gwenpool is with Howard. Um, Howard the Duck, which I was was quite entertained by. I don't know if it's part of this series or part of Howard's series. I'm not too sure, but um, but uh, yeah, I'm not interested. Hercules Volume Four: Dan Abnett and Luke Ross. I will check this out with a controversy because it's you know I like Amadeus Cho. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he doesn't. He very rarely shows up in this. No, no, this he is. I'm thinking of Hulk, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shows up. He's um, got his own title. Yeah. Um, this is the, this is the Hercules. Um, they've basically ignored the fact that he's bisexual. Yeah. Uh, a bit of controversy there. Although, strangely enough, he has Thino camping out on his on his couch. What's his name? The big hulking, muscly guy. And there's clearly some sort of de- tension mm-hmm. going on there. I I'm not too sure what the deal um, is. I'm, I'm in two minds about this book because, um, yeah, I like Dan Abnett. I like Hercules. Can't stand Luke Ross as an artist. Yeah, okay, fair And enough. so, I'm, I don't know, like, I haven't checked it out yet. I might at some point. Yeah. But I, I don't know, like, yeah, it's, it's the premise didn't sound all that intriguing to oh, me. Oh, so you haven't read it? No. The first issue, they, 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 they're very much playing up the myth aspect of it. But and, that's right. Um, and, and I'm cool with that. And so he's, and he's become kind of like an urban, an urban vigilante type deal, like where he hires out, if you've got trouble, you contact him and he'll come and help you out. So it's Hercules Hero for Hire. Yeah, it's Hercules Hero for Hire. That's exactly what it is. Right, okay. Uh, as mentioned, Howard the Duck, Volume 6, uh, Chip D- Zadarsky and uh, Joe Quinos. Love it. Really? I do. I love it. I love, the, I love Volume 5. Love Volume 6. So I read the first issue of Volume 5 and I went, this just feels laboured. Really? It feels, it feels very forced. I just I don't, don't get that at all. This is I, working for me. I think I it's hilarious. Like, I haven't read the book yet, so I can't really comment, but I don't like the redesign of Howard. I liked I liked Howard when he just looked like Donald Duck, right? You know because it was absurd, yeah. and I loved obviously that Gerber that classic Gerber run. Yeah, true. Um, does Does this have that satire to it, like the political satire? It doesn't the, have political satire. No. no, he's a he's a private investigator, and um, he basically hates the fact that he's the it's, only duck in the universe. It's more um, of a parody rather than a satire. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I do like Joker Jones is a great artist, though. Yeah, big fan of his work. Well, I, I love Zip, uh, the Chip Zdarsky. Uh, the sex criminals is, is awesome. So Cool. Um, yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. Uh, Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. Frank Barbier and Bren uh, Shinova. Uh, it's uh, not a fan. Oh, Frank Barbier, he's the five ghosts guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, haven't read it. Once again, S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I'm um, tired of it. Well, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the monsters. It's yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know. It's like I'm, I'm, I just find myself shying away from the 4,000 S.H.I.E.L.D. books and S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. appearances. That... You see the word S.H.I.E.L.D. you automatically, no. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, Hyperion, Chuck Wendig, Nick Virala. Um, I actually haven't read it yet. Has it come out? Has it, I don't know. Has it come out? I don't 
Okay, alright, moving on. I don't that was, think that so. was Reddit, so moving on, but it's Hyperion, so we'll at least check it out. Yeah, I'll be checking it out, definitely. Uh, Illuminati, Josh Williamson, Sean Crystal. Uh, I actually don't mind it. Don't mind it at all. It doesn't. It's uh, it's the hood made his reappearance and uh, is essentially doing the same thing he does all the time, where he's basically organising the villains. And uh, mm. yeah, I don't mind it. Um, hood doesn't interest me as a character. Yeah. Um, and I didn't like his appearances going back to when he was in Avengers and yep. all that sort of stuff. So I'm just giving this one a miss because I don't care. Fair enough. All right, this is what I'll be waiting for. Okay. International Iron Man. Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez. I'm going to start off with by saying artwork, Brent. Yes. Um, and uh, there's a rant incoming, so I'll get your, your guys' opinions, and then I'll, I'll have my rant. I've got no interest in you know Brian Michael Bendis overriding Tony Stark. Right. Okay. I I couldn't finish this. Right. Like I started reading, and I'm like, no. Is this just issue one? Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Um, and I know um, Mary Jane's come into the book oh Randy going and I'm just like well what Bendis just just has to do that does he is, yeah. that, is that his thing he can't help himself you know and so um, yeah once, once again I just I'm not interested in this like Tony Stark has become a, an arsehole yeah a c- complete and utter bastard and I don't want to read that yeah you know they've toned it down a little for this but he's become he's, he's, he's become a completely arrogant prick yeah right that quips the way that Robert Downey quips in yeah. the films. He's become the movie. He's become the movie version. But he, but he hasn't because he's not a nice person in any way. Like the movie version. The movie version of the movie version of Iron Man. Yeah, he can be arrogant and everything. Yeah. But he's still, you know, he's still a he's good still, guy. He's still, still a hero. You know, yeah. he's still a hero. Whereas Iron Man now, he's just unrecognizable to me as a character. And I've even right. even with my approach of of trying <laughs> to tra- take them as new characters. I just don't find him interesting. Gotcha. Uh, Mary Jane, in uh, appearing in the show, uh, in the in the comic, I've read the issue where she appears in the, in his universe where she's uh, started up a nightclub and the nightclub gets attacked. Um, but whether which she becomes a real love interest or not, I don't I don't know that as of, as of this point. But um, the 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 internet rage <laughs> at uh, at the possibility that Mary Jane would join the cast of uh, Iron Man and then become a love interest, I just find ridiculous. Yeah, it's. it's Let's 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 cover both bases, right? Base number one: she's a fictional character, so who gives a shit? Let's cover. Done. Base number one, automatically done. Base number two: let's let's you know let's, 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 we'll talk about it in the, in the terms that you know comic fans like to talk about these things. How dare she? This is the internet rage. How dare she uh, leave Spider-Man in order to 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 shack to shack up with Tony Stark? It's like, come on, right? Even if you want to talk about it in those terms. She's a grown woman. <laughs> She's not married to Peter anymore. Peter's off doing his own thing. She can see whoever the hell she likes. There you go. Right done. That's fair enough. <laughs> I'm still not going to read the book because I'm just not interested in ah. this take on Iron Man. Fair enough. Uh, the next one, this is an interesting one. Karnak by Warren Alice and Gerardo Zafino. Um, artwork, again, excellent. They've really gone all out. With their arts. Yeah, they've their got art, a really artists. good staple of artists. Really good. Um, now, this one, I find it very interesting because, again, it's an inhuman. I'm sick to death of seeing them. But I always quite liked Karnak. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the idea that he's uh, he's become a monk <laughs> and, uh, you know, he still has his ability to see the flaws and, and sort of Warren Ellis sort of delving a little bit. He's a smart man, Warren Ellis, so his, his ability is uh, different ways that he can use his powers and stuff. Mm. 
all good, but I just don't care. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit different in, in that. Yeah, like you, I like Karnak. Mm. And um, Paul Jenkins had established something in that classic miniseries from the 90s that the ability to see flaws means that Karnak can, you know, see flaws in people's personalities. You can see flaws yeah. in social structures and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that was really intriguing. And Warren Ellis seems to be running with that. Hmm, which and, is good. And expanding on that. And, um, yeah, I'm intrigued. I'll, once again, I'm not quite sold 100% on the book. Yeah. But I'm intrigued by this take on Karnak. And Karnak is a cool character that, yeah, I'm going to stick with the book for now and just see where it goes. Cool. Fair enough. Uh, the Mighty Thor, volume... I'll say that again in proper English. The Mighty Thor, volume two, Jason Aaron... Writing Russell Dorderman on art, and it is of course Jane Foster Thor. Mm. Some nice art too on this one oh, from yeah. a guy from a guy I don't know. Yeah, some really nice artwork. Pretty. I, I really like the look of the book. Um, there is a slight problem I've had with quite a few of these books coming into them cold, having not read a lot of the pre Secret Wars stuff. Um, is that the assumption that you just know what's going on? Yeah. Um, and I found this was the book where. Where I, that became most notice, uh, noticeable. Now he's done a decent job of introducing me to the status quo, but not the reasoning why. What's I don't I mean I don't know. I mean Jane Foster has cancer and is Thor, hmm. and I have no idea how that happened or what that was about or why because I didn't read the previous series. But it's not a hard but, reboot though. So would you expect that? Well, I mean it's an issue. It's an issue one. Yeah, issue okay. so one it goes back should, to your argument there's an issue yeah, one should tell An you. issue yeah. one should establish for you what the story is and what's going on. And and so now I've, I've, I find that if I want to continue to read the book, I've got to go and find out what actually happened. Hmm. You know, Odin's been weird, Thor's disappeared, and... You and know, Odin's brother's in charge of security? And yeah, yeah, and it's like... but the, and, and it's like, I got all of that, but without getting anything about what's happened... Beforehand, like what? You get Malakath though. That's always good. Malakath is awesome. Yeah. Mm. So don't get, don't get me wrong. Actually, this is not a bad take, and I like I like what they're doing with Jane Foster. I, I find it intriguing that she, in order to become Thor, she has to undo the chemotherapy. Yeah, but and then one of the powers of Thor to heal her cancer because Thor doesn't because Thor doesn't have the cancer. Yeah, they've Jane hinted Foster at it. has it. They've hinted at it multiple times that it's possible for her to actually heal her abilities or stay Thor okay. permanently. Well, we're, we're, and she chooses not to because of some sort of moral bullshit about being human and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I, like, but see, I don't actually mind that. And and to be, and to be fair, like I haven't read the previous series, so I don't know what was going on with Jane Foster in order to lead up to this. So Oh, well, it's, not, it's I, not wasn't revealed. Right, okay. the big secret of who yeah. Thor was up until yeah. this point. Well, I remember we, we made the same point about Green Lantern. Yeah. When the new Green Lantern started up, it was like, well, this is one of the few books that's actually continued on. Yeah. And it, it reads less like an issue one and more like the continuation of a story that, unless you've read the previous story, you're not quite sure exactly Yeah, but with happening. all the confusion of, well, has any of it rebooted? Did the War of Light mm. even occur? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this, But this has a little bit of that for me as well. It's like, right. okay, this is the status quo, but I have no idea what has led to the status quo, so I'm not as invested in the story mm. because I don't know why Jane Foster became Thor. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, because you picked up the hammer. <laughs> That's really all it is. As far as I, mean, I haven't read the latest, I haven't read the latest issue. But basically, she was present when he became unworthy, and she was the first one to pick it up. That's essentially all it was. Really? Yeah. Okay. So she was like, "Well, there you go. Here's my chance." And she's done it before. So yeah. yeah. Uh, Mockingbird, Chelsea Kane, Kate Nemitsk. 
So an all female team for a female character, and I haven't read a single issue, so I can't comment. Has it come out yet? Don't Once know. again, I don't. I'm not sure that this has even been released yet. No, all right, moving on. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair with Natasha Bustos on art. Okay, another another artist that I didn't know. Who I've got to say, I like the art. Um, and uh, this this is fun. It this is what is it fun, is. It's a fun book, and <laughs> it's it's it's. You know, in, in in much the same way of things like Harley and Batgirl and uh, Squirrel Girl and stuff like that, it's just fun. Yeah, and I and I enjoy that. I like to see comics with a bit of fun in them and a bit of humor. And I do too, but I actually prefer them to be funny. You didn't find this one funny? It doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I was entertained. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm glad that it exists. I haven't read it yet, but I'll right. check it out and try it because I like Rocket Girl. So yeah, uh, Moon Knight Volume Six, Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood. Yet another attempt at Moon Knight. So Marvel's so, version of Batman. So you're saying Moonlight, Moon Knight's kind of like uh, Captain Marvel. They just keep keep trying, keep trying. Yeah, but now that he's now he's walking around in a suit or something. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't read it. I can't say. Once again, I'm not sure. If it could read. be Brent. Is it out? Once again, I, I, I think don't it's know. Out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's out. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. I've never really been all that interested in Moon Knight outside of the you know the Doug Mowinch, Bill Sienkiewicz stuff. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Marvel, Wayne Four, G. Willow Wilson, Takeshi Mizuara, and Adrian Alfonso on art. Love it. There's really nothing we've talked about need. multiple times. Nothing really we need to say. The book has just continued on exactly where it left off, and that is awesome. God damn, she's Brit. Yeah. New Avengers, Volume Four, Al Ewing, Gerardo Sandoval. Yeah. Okay. There's the 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 yeah. This basic premise behind the Avengers book seems to be that there's no actual Avengers team at the moment. Yeah. No Avengers Avengers. Well, there's no official Avengers, yeah. Yeah. Because they're not yeah. government. Yeah. Or, or I, I do like the idea that Sunspot has purchased AIM <laughs> and is transforming AIM into something else and the problems associated with that. And I, for the most part, I like this team. You know, I've always liked Songbird. I like Hulkling and Wiccan. Um, the new Power Man sort of grew on me from Al Ewing's previous Mighty Avengers run. And it has Squirrel Girl. And Squirrel Girl still talks to her squirrel. But... No one can understand what the squirrel is saying except Squirrel Girl. So I like the fact that he's he's like brought her in, but still kept that part of it up. Um, yeah, look, this is um, this is kind of interesting. Hmm. Uh, the interplay between the between the characters is the part that's that's really appealing to me. Um, yeah, I've discovered that Al Ewing's real strength as a, as a as a writer is writing these team books because he gives each character a distinct voice and. It has really great interplay between characters, and and that's what this book has. Um, and I don't mind the art. Cool. Oh, sudden dyslexia. I was going to say Nightwing. Uh, Nighthawk, Volume 2, David Walker. Uh, hasn't actually come out yet, has it? No. Uh, Nova, Volume 6, Sean Ryan, Corey Smith. So obviously Sam's the Sam version of Nova. Yeah, although I think it might actually be both Novas. Yeah, well, his father, well, his father is Nova, the Nova that we all know. Oh, is and he? He's now back. So once again, I've never read the old. No- I've never read the previous Nova series or anything, and I haven't read this this book yet either. Yeah, there's hints that uh, spoiler alert. There's hints that the Nova, the older Nova that's returned, may in fact be an alien in disguise. Right. But uh, you know, actually, I, I quite like the concept. You know, the, the kid friendly Nova learning the ropes. You know, he's very Spider Man. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, but then Nova always was. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it even is. old Nova was like that when it started. I haven't read for past issue one, but I'm, I'm no. glad that it exists. Old Man Logan. Don't care. Jeff Lebeer, Andrea 
Sorrentino. Well, Andrea Sorrentino is a good artist, but yeah. um, I'm not really interested, so I didn't read it. I just, I, I just don't think there's, there's no reason for this title to exist. No. I mean, the Old Man Logan miniseries it did what it did, and then that's it. Doesn't need to go on anywhere. Yeah, I didn't even think much of that. Either. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Logan, so. Anyway, uh, Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat, Kate Leth, Brittany Williams. It exists purely because Patsy Walker exists in the the TV show. And um, you know what? I don't care. I'm willing. <laughs> I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah. Oh, I, you haven't read it yet? No, I haven't read it it's yet. It's actually yeah, pretty I good. Have. Hellcat. I love Hellcat. Um, yeah. She was she she became Hellcat in one of my earliest issues of Avengers that I bought as a kid. Right. I loved her then. I loved her all through Defenders. And I've always loved Hellcat. Yeah. And uh, I loved the Catherine Immerman miniseries that came out a little while ago where cool. she gets sent to Alaska as the only member of Avengers Alaska. <laughs> love that. Um, and I've got to say... This book's doing it for me. It, it is a lot enough. of fun. I agree. I mean, it's, 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 despite my annoyance that it only exists because of the TV show, I actually do quite enjoy it. But the good thing is is that it's nothing like yeah. the take on the character from Jessica Jones. Like, yeah. Seriously. Well, they're, they're, so they're playing up the fact that she she existed in romance comics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, but, it, but I mean, Engelhart did that when he brought her in yeah. in Avengers anyway. So I've got no problem with that. But um, yeah, this book cool. is... This is this is fun fun. This is Squirrel Girl level of fun, this book. Awesome. I wouldn't go that far, but it is good. Power Man and Iron Fist Volume 4, David Walker and Sanford Green. Haven't read it? Is no, it once again, not out yet. Okay. Uh, Punisher Volume 11, Becky Cloonan, Steve Dillon. Is that is Becky Cloonan Australian? No. No. Huh. Not that I know of. That's where I said with it. She was. Okay. I don't know why. Well, that's Steve Dillon. Uh, and Steve Dillon, yeah. Yeah. Well, I like Steve Dillon. Still not going to buy it. No. Punisher bores me. Yeah, Punisher. Don't care. Uh, this is this is intriguing. Red Wolf, Volume Two. Yep. By Nathan Edmondson and Dalibur Talajic. I did not even know he had his own solo series. Um, as in now or in the past? No, previously. I've read uh, this one. I think it was only like a mini series or something. Maybe when they were doing like the weird westerns or something. So they count a mini series? Yeah. As a volume? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. I could be Shit. wrong, but I'm pretty sure. So that means that's Spider should be to, up, up to volume twenty million by now. Uh, I think they they count them if it's the same title. Oh, right. So, like, Deadly Foes of Spider-Man is not volume 27 of Spider-Man. Gotcha. Because Spider-Man is Amazing Spider-Man. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, um, yeah, I liked issue one. Yeah, so did I. Um, They managed to... This is diversity done well. Yeah. Like, they've created a a Native American character, um, but... They're not just going around going, oh, look, it's a Native American character. Look at how diverse we are. They've actually given a, an interesting sort of take on the character. Well, it is the story. same Red Wolf that we know from It the is, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. But but I like I liked this approach to Red Wolf. Yeah. And I'm, I'm intrigued by what, what Edmondson's going to do. I have read, heard uh, grumblings that it's very much scalped. I don't know. Nah, I, I don't see it. No, nah, it's not. I don't see it. The the lead character is more interesting in this than he is in Sculpt. Yeah. Sculpt Sculpt works, I think, more because it's supporting cast characters are the really interesting ones. Yeah. Uh, whereas this, it's actually the lead character appeals to me. I think Sculpt started off very well and then got very boring. Uh, Rocket Raccoon and Groot, Scotty Young, Philippe Andre. Um, you know what? Just don't care. Uh, once again, not yeah. really all that interesting. Scarlet Witch Volume Two, James Robinson. Yes. Is it actually out? I haven't read. Yeah, yep. it's out. Yep. It's good. Yep. Um, it's an, the artwork's quite nice, hmm. and it's a nice if you like us and just sick to that, sick of the way that the Scarlet Witch has been treated um, yeah. after House of M. This is James Robinson's attempt to really get her back on track and get her back into the magic side of things. Okay. Um, the, yeah. the nice the nice thing being her relationship with Agatha, Agatha Harkness. Yeah, is Agatha back uh, to life? 
No, no. that's the thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay, this is my favourite Marvel character being written by one of my favourite writers. Yeah. So I don't know if I can be entirely objective about it, but <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> um, Silk, Volume 2, Robbie Thompson, Stacey Lee. Okay. It's interesting because she's uh, pretending to be a bad guy. Because Black Cat's yeah. now making a big move for to be a, a mafia boss. Oh, uh, so, the Kingpin. so that was Black Cat. The, the only thing I've read of this so far is the preview that's at the end of issue one of Amazing Spider-Man. Right. And it gets to the end, and I'm looking at this woman like, I think that's the Black Cat, but I wasn't quite sure. So that is Black Cat. I haven't read the preview, so I'm not too sure, but right. Black Cat is the person she's working for. Then I'd say, yeah, then that's that's who that is meant to be. Okay. Um, I don't really know anything about Silk, so... Uh, is she like she, so? She's not like an alternate reality Spider-Man, mm. like all the others. No, she's right. actually from the, the main Marvel universe, yeah. mm. and then shows up and I don't know. I, don't know, I can't remember. Her, her, she's more powerful than he is. She, oh, she gives up more of an aura than him, and so that it draws the. Apparently, that's the real reason why What's His Face showed up. Morlin. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on, Silver Surfer Volume Eight, Dan Slott, Michael Alred. This book kicks ass. Yep. I've read this issue. I love it. Yeah. I'm a, you know, I the Silver Surfer is to me what the Scarlet Witch is to um, Richo. Mm. Um, I love the character. It is a bit hard for me to remain objective, but we've actually had several years of not very good Silver Surfer. Yeah. You know, not very imaginative Silver Surfer stories, and right from the outset, outset Dan Slott and Michael Allred knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yep. Um, and this is just a nice return to form, and it's also a, a way to do the Russell T Davies attempts on Doctor Who, but done well because Russell T Davies sucks yes he does All right, I uh, have nothing to add to the comments about this book except that I agree 100% this book is awesome yeah highly recommended Spider-Gwen volume 2 Jason Latour Robbie Rodriguez uh, Jason Latour dickhead so and it puts a puts a, a stain on the experience but I quite like Spider-Gwen as a character Plus, you know, this book actually seems quite entertaining. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think volume one was good. Uh, volume two, I think, is just kind of lost the plot. Well, I've only read the first issue, but it's a, it's a decent introduction issue because I didn't read the previous series, gotcha. so it's done a decent job of actually bringing me up to speed um, on who the character is. So, I didn't mind that. All right. Well, I like I like Spider Green as yeah. a character. Uh, Spider Man Volume Two, Brian Michael Bendis, Sarah Patelli. No, don't care. <laughs> With Miles. Oh, uh, this is the Miles Morales. Yeah. Yeah, I actually don't think it's even out, is it? Probably not. No. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man 2099, Volume 3, Peter David, Will, Celine, Will Sliney. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm just I'm over Spider-Man 2099. Just stop trying to make this guy successful. Mm. I, I never read the series. It's um, terrible. And that's even as a Peter David fan. I've never read yeah. the original series, and so I've never really followed through on the new stuff. Fair It's basically just, you know, it's grim and gritty Spider-Man. Right. It doesn't work. Move on. Uh, Spider-Man slash Deadpool. Uh, this is an odd choice. Uh, it's Joe Kelly and Ed McGuinness with a Spider-Man Deadpool team-up book. And yeah. It's basically just Deadpool giving shit to Spider-Man all the time and Spider-Man complaining that Deadpool gives him shit. It's yeah. just, I, don't, I don't get it. I just don't think it's funny. Yeah. De- Joe Kelly wrote Deadpool back in the late 90s. Great stuff. The only time I actually enjoyed Deadpool as a character. Um, but oh, okay. I'm just not interested anymore. Right. Okay. Cool. I, I still like Joe Kelly, um, and I still read his stuff, but I just don't care. Fair enough. Spider-Woman, Volume 6, Dennis Hopeless and Javier Rodriguez. Javier. Uh, it is Javier? Yeah, Javier. Uh, Javier Rodriguez, and, uh, yeah, a pregnant superhero. I just find the whole concept ridiculous. Like, if you're going into combat and you're pregnant, you're an absolute bastard. <laughs> 
I should dub this the rant episode. Look, <laughs> uh, how irresponsible what, uh, like, is that? I, I like the way I like the way that that Spider Woman is written here, and her interaction with other heroes and things like that. Yeah, and lo- love all of that, okay. and I love Javier Rodriguez, another artist that I'm not all that familiar with, whose work I've got to say I really like. You know, like Marvel's Marvel's introduced me to a lot of artists that, whose work I didn't really know with this relaunch, and that I think has been the thing that I've appreciated the most. Because yeah, nothing, another good artist. Yeah, but what about the concept though? Because um, I agree, it's, I mean, it looks beautiful, but yeah. what the concept? Well, I mean, I'm reading. I, I, I sort of put the concept aside as to whether or not going into battle as a pregnant woman or not. I'm looking at it more from just the story, and like, it's okay. But that is the story. Yeah, I know. She's a pregnant superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's no. still active. Yeah. Yeah, I know all of that. Um, That's unbelievable to me. You say this and all I can think of is, hey, you okay there, Margie? Oh, no, I think I'm going to barf. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's certainly, a oh, different, it's certainly a different idea. Yes. You know, so we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> I just want to point out that I'm not, I'm not actually angry. <laughs> I just, I've, I've been quite angry this episode. And I'm not too sure why. I'm actually having a good day. I'm not, it's weird. Uh, uh, Spidey. Robbie Thompson. Robbie Thompson, Nick Bradshaw. Uh, basically just, you know, Untold Tales of Spidey done again. Yeah. And you know what? Whatever. Yeah, don't care. I actually don't like Nick Nick Bradshaw. I know we've been talking about the artists. I actually don't like his artwork. But I I like this. I like, you know, I like old school Spidey stories. I like accessible to all ages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a sort of thing that there should be more of, but in the present day, like there should be more comics set in the now with that kind of approach. Yeah. uh, Yeah, look, it's okay. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan, but, you know. I'm glad, I'm glad kids get the chance to read it. Uh, Squadron Supreme, Volume 4, James Robinson, Leonard Kirk. Controversy. It is controversial, no doubt about that. Um, I've only read the first issue. All right. Um, and I will keep reading because I'm a, I am like Dave, I'm a big fan of James Robinson, and I know that he's very good with team books, you know, Earth 2 and established characters and things like that. My issue, my problem with the first issue is that... It, t- it comes directly out of events of Secret War. Yeah. So it kind of feels like it needs to be part of Secret War rather than introducing its own status quo quite... Um, its own status quo um, in an off the bat, if you that makes so? sense. It explains. it explains it all in issue one. It explains exactly who everybody is. Yeah, it does yeah. explain who everyone is. Explain who everyone is, but it comes immediate. It deal. It's really dealing more with the aftermath of um, oh, well, that's the submariners. Yes. Yeah, um, and you know, spoiler alert, haven't read it. You know, I am a big. Whilst I'm a big fan of the submariners um, of the of um, Namor himself, and so my my um, rant will be against Jonathan Hickman, not um, James Robinson. But do you re- did you really need to do that to the submariner? Um, well, it shows that they mean business. No, no, no. As in, not not. Their response. Yeah. Uh, my, that's not my issue at all. Right. It's with, you know, what, getting what, back to... 60, oh, making him a bastard. What Namor did to begin with. 60 yeah. years of history. And yes, he, originally he wants to kill humanity, but we've had 60 years where he's actually come to a sort of a, an understanding that, or an equilibrium, that the surface world and Atlantis do kind of have to exi- coexist, if, even if it's not always... Did you read all the lead up to Secret Wars and Secret Wars? Then? No. So yeah. I actually think he makes perfect sense. Namor, when he does what he does. Namor, Namor is, is is not that character anymore. It's, yeah. one, it's, it's once again applying my <laughs> cutoff point um, logic. Namor under sort of Bendis and then into Hickman. Mm. 
is a completely different character. But it makes that. perfect sense. He has to save the Earth, and in order to do that, he has to destroy the others. What's wrong with that? Yeah, like, it gets back to the whole needing to have read all mm. that. And that's my problem with this issue. It just feels more like the mm. aftermath to Secret Wars rather mm. than really starting off this new um, Squadron yeah. Supreme. Mm. And I quite like the new team. I'm, you know, that, 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 yeah, see, we get told who they are, and that's, that's fine. It's just, you know, like I said, just leads off from the, the previous story. Yeah, well, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, Look, I, I agree with you on the name more stuff. I, I actually preferred it when heroes could find better ways. You know, that same argument that I put forward when we saw Man of Steel. Yeah. Once upon a time, a hero would find a way. Yeah. Um, nowadays, the heroes just have to go, oh, we're going to make the worst decisions and live with the consequences. Yeah. Um, which is very post-9-11. I agree yeah, I agree. Um, but um, having said that, I, I must admit, I'm loving this book. Yeah. Because I love the squadron. I love the, the squadron that's assembled in this book. Yeah. Um, and James Robinson and Leonard Kirk is just an awesome creative mm. team going, you know, oh, back through, you know, stuff they've worked on in the past. They, I just love that. Don't get me wrong. I will read this book. Yeah. It's just that in the way that they've done the first issue, just... Yeah. Star-Lord, Volume 2, Sam Humphreys, J.B. Garon. Let's move on. Yep. <laughs> Star-Brand and Nightmask, Greg Wiseman and Dominic Stanton. All right. Friend of the show, Dominic Stanton. <laughs> on your domo. Um, I, I love it. I love everything Dominic does, so I don't care. He's the artist? Yeah, Dominic's the artist. Yeah, i got to say, I, I haven't read the book yet, but I did look at the artwork. And, uh, yeah, once again, an artist whose work I wasn't all that familiar with. Oh, this is his huge break. I, I'm, yeah. so, I'm so proud of this guy. Well, I, I, uh, He points, deserves it. Yeah, point, points to him then, because, once again, nice artwork. It's yeah. a really, really good job. Now, I, I, I will admit, I mean, my, I, mean I, I can't give him, you know, five out of five everything just because it's him. I mean, yeah. actually, the first issue, I think, is actually kind of weak. Yeah. Um, but the second issue... It's on, now it's, it's hit the it's hit the ground running, um, and uh, yeah, and we love Domo. He's he's awesome. He deserves all the success that this is obviously going to bring him. So check it out Star Brand and Night Mask. Go buy it. <laughs> totally awesome Hulk. Greg Pack. Frank Cho. I love Frank Cho. I think he's great. I read it purely just because of Frank Cho's wrote it. Well, see, I read it because like I like Greg Pack and I like Armadeus Cho from the old uh, Hercules run. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's just—I just like him. He's a cool character. All right, cool. Frank Cho's artwork is nice, and there wasn't too much <laughs> Frank <laughs> Chonus in it. <laughs> Frank Chonus. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because the thing that he did before, um, before he came, before he became a comic book artist, was he did a comic strip called Liberty Meadows. Yeah. In which there was, you know, maybe one or two women in it who were, you know, kind of Wonder Woman esque in their voluptuous in there, but. They were, you know, for the rest of it, it was cute animals and furry critters, and it was actually kind of, it was actually quite a, a cool comic strip. Yeah. So the fact that he's now become this sort of titillating cheesecake artist, I think, is a little sad. You think so? Mm. Hulk, Hulk doesn't has doesn't have a lot of that though. Mm. That's you know, well, like, there's only so much you can get away with in a Marvel mm, comic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hulk, Hulk highlights his actual ability as an artist. Yeah, like he is a good artist, and and there's no doubt about that. And unfortunately, some of that gets lost, I think, in the cheesecake from time to time. Mm. That he is actually a good artist first and foremost. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I um, yeah, it's interesting. This book. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, Luke, I disagree. I I think he's, I mean, Liberty Liberty Meadows is you know is a, is a it exists. I don't know. I, I, I have no. I have nothing against the cheesecake. I have nothing against the cute animals I, just, I think it, it just it shows just how good he is because his ability to do 
all those sort of genres. Now, what I'm saying is that because like, I quite like Woody Meadows. Yeah, I'm saying. Um, just that he for a while he was you know doing uh, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, and he was sort of seen as that sort of artist, and all the all the outrage. Yeah. Um, uh, over some of his recent uh, sketches. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's overshadowing the it's fact that he is a good artist. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I just dis- disagree. I don't think it's overshadowing anything. It just shows that he's a he's a bit of a larrikin who likes he likes or he's, a mis- or he's a misogynist. I mean, it depends on how you how you interpret his artwork. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that he is a misogynist. I actually don't know the guy, and um, I don't really pay any attention to his cheesecake artwork. Yeah, I just look for his his actual artwork that appeals to me. Yeah, um, and that's what the Hulk is doing. So I'm not casting any aspersions on him at all. Here. Oh no, well, I, but that is an argument that I have heard yeah. put forward. Oh well, he's not my friend, but I have met him. Um, I, have in, I have interviewed him, and I, just, I don't think he's a misogynist at all. I think I'm not just, saying he's a misogynist. He's just a dude who likes attractive women, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so angry this episode. Uh, Ultimates Volume 4, Al Ewing and Kenneth Rockefort. Again, uh, I actually quite like, really like Kenneth Rockefort. Um, I haven't actually gotten to this one yet. Oh, okay. Which cool. is strange because, like I said, I've been singing the praises of Al Ewing as a writer. Dude, um, you've got to check it out. I haven't gotten to this one yet. It's interesting. They've gone the, they've gone the sort of the... Not planet... The authority... Pla- the authority slash planetary type thing. So you've got... Yeah. You've got... Uh, What's his? Is it Blue Marvel? Yeah. Um, and uh, Photon. Um, yep. And and Carol, strangely enough, I don't know, she's meant to be part of the team, but she's also meant to be part of Alpha. And uh, and some and um, and they they basically solve cosmic, universal type level type stuff. Yep. I'm just really disappointed you haven't read it because I wanted yep. to talk to you about it. But yep. the very first thing they do is that they reverse what Galactus is about. So instead of being a oh, consumer, okay. he's yeah, now yeah. a creator. Wow, that's disrupting the nature of the universe and that's should right. cause massive upheavals and pretty much destroy everything. I just don't understand how it works. Like, he's he has a very definitive role. Well, maybe that will depend upon that, what happens next in the series. Now, where is all this new stuff going to go? Yeah, given that death he's meant has to, to provide, exist. Yeah, he's meant to provide the balance between eternity and death. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. That's interesting. Look, um, it sounds like he's continuing on a little bit from Mighty Avengers, though, because yeah. Blue Marvel and Photon were part of that, yes. and and he did some great work with getting uh, Monica back on track. Yeah. After yeah, some she's unbelievably stuff. powerful. She's awesome. Well, she is. I mean, yeah. why, why shouldn't she be? She can transform into any form of she, energy. Yeah, she's she's basically now um, embracing just how powerful she is. Cool. And this Blue Marvel dude, I actually don't really know a lot about him. He's mm. essentially Superman, really. Is that uh, yeah, like Black Superman from the past. Um, yeah, I, I haven't picked up, because he had like a miniseries that I think that reintroduced him a few years back, but, but I haven't really read that. I only know him from his appearance in this Mighty Avengers book that I, that I was reading. So Gotcha. Uh, the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Volume 2, Ryan North, Erica Henderson, Brent. Yep. Check it out. This book rocks. It is. It's. It's it, awesome. It's um. It's one of those things where you don't need to have read, um, the previous volume. Yep. Yeah. But if you have, uh, there's just no change. Yeah. Just you know what to expect. Yeah. And exactly. It's the high quality, um, high quality shenanigans on the part of Doreen and her squirrel and yeah. her house and her flatmate. Yep. And her flatmate's cat. Mm. Uncanny Avengers Volume Three: Jerry Dugan, Ryan Stegman. All right, my turn to tee off here. Oh yes, book. someone else got to tee off. Thank God. Seriously, if you're going to write a book called Uncanny Avengers, make it about the Avengers and not Deadpool and a bunch of other people. Seriously, <laughs> this is like the Poochie comic. 
I'm reading the first issue. It's like when Deadpool's on the on on screen, it's every it's all about Deadpool. When Deadpool's off, it's everybody talking about Deadpool. Yeah, and I'm like, no, yeah, you know? with you. And then uh, Captain America is like, as in Steve Rogers, like, oh, you know, Deadpool's proven himself to me. How? Yeah, the guy's a nutcase and a mercenary. How has he proven himself to you? And a killer. Yeah. So this is how the thing. Steve Rogers like, allowed that to happen. Yeah. Where, where in this book? is anything to tell me what Deadpool has done to actually be on this team. Yeah. And I'm just reading it and I'm thinking, it's clearly, and I had to check, but it's clearly written by the guy that's writing Deadpool. Because yeah. it is literally just Deadpool and some other characters talking about Deadpool. I actually got to say, I just think what it is, what it, to, go, to answer your question, yeah. I think Deadpool kills Cyclops. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, and so Cap's like, "Yeah, sure, come on the team." Well, I mean, this is this is post two thousand and four Cap, who was, of course, yeah. a completely different character. Oh, um, Steve Rogers now is just an idiot. But uh, no, it? this this book annoyed the hell out of me. Yeah, I just want to just throw, I'll throw my theory out there. I think it's very much the same as uh, the Dark Rain business. You know, where Norman kills the Scroll Queen, and so that's why he then gets all the power that he gets. No. I think it's a very similar deal. I think Skyflox goes crazy and is going to kill a whole bunch of people, and Deadpool stops him. That's that's my theory. Well, either way, this book sucked. Yeah, this book does suck. Yeah, uh, I just don't care. Yeah, and the art's not doing it for me either. No, no. That, that's sort of uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Uncanny in Humans, Charles Sewell, Steve McNiven, Steve McNiven, always good. Mm. But uh, again, freaking Inhumans. Yeah, they really are, Marvel really are flooding the market with a series of books here. Yeah, um, that's actually in many respects putting uh, DC to shame on just. You know, well, like the Inhumans can't just have one book. The Inhumans have to have multiple books now, and it's like, why? And how many books do you need to be called Uncanny? Mm. Next mm. one's Uncanny X Men. Yeah, it's like, come on. Yeah, it's either all new, all different, or yeah. Uncanny. Yeah, Uncanny X Men, Colin Bunn, Greg Land. <laughs> that says it right there. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't read this one because I just don't want to see tracings of you know porn models and things. I, I, I officially boycott every single Greg Land product. Okay, I don't so, care what it is. So if not, not, not a person read this. And then, then no. I've actually, well, I have actually read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I read it on the, I read it while I was at the shop. Right. <laughs> you, burn, you burn stupid. <laughs> Sorry, I, I apologise. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I flipped through it uh, while I was at the shop. And, no, I just, it's Greg Lance, so I don't care. Even it's genius, I don't care. I'm not mm. going to read it. Uh, Venom Space Knight. Robbie Thompson, Ariel Olivetti. Don't care. Yeah. Don't care about Venom. Don't care about Venom as a Space Knight. <laughs> it's, but it's... Uh, Thompson, yeah, Venom. Don't no. care. Don't care. No. Okay. No. Flash Thompson is a good supporting cast member in Spider-Man. I've never been interested in him as a character outside of that. Yeah, yeah you know what? I actually, and I don't need—I don't need to see him as a space knight either. It's Venom. Yeah, you know. Uh, the Vision Volume Three. Tom King, Gabriel Hernandez, Walter. This was a strange, strange. This book. is some wacky shit. Man. Yeah, this is a strange book. Yeah. <laughs> That last, um, that last bit for the first issue, I'm like, what? I'm not entirely certain what to make of this book just yet. Are you enjoying it, though? Once again, it, it intrigues me insofar as this is, a, this is an idea. Yeah. You know, this is a very different take on things. I, I'm not quite sure yet. <laughs> oh, I'm not, oh, I'm it's doing it for me, I've got to say. It is doing it for me. I've only read that first issue. All right. So far. I've only got issue, man. Yeah, I've only read that first issue, it's and I'm like, like I'm, I'm kind of intrigued as to where it's 
going. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I, I think have it's pretty clear where it's going. Well, the fact that I, no, but this is the, the fact I have no idea exactly where he's taken it. Yeah. Appeals to me. Yeah. So um, yeah, hard to say just yet, but I'm certainly going to read the next few issues and just sort of see where it goes. Right. But yeah, it's certainly a very different take, and I, I have managed to put aside my you know Vision and the Scarlet Witch forever sort of thing that I have, where, like, I like the Vision and Scarlet Witch when they're together. Hey, just being like one of those internet people complaining about Mary Jane. She nah. can see who she wants. But, 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 <laughs> no, I'm not, because I'm actually still intrigued by... Uh-huh. First of all, I'm reading both the Vision book and the Scarlet Witch book. Right. I just have that nostalgia for, you know... I want Jocasta to show up. <laughs> yeah, where is Jocasta these days? She's the AI of the ship in Ultimates. Ah, okay. Um... Web Warriors, Mike Costa, David Bildian, uh, follows on from Spider-Verse. Because there's just not enough Spider-Mans out there. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of alternate Spider-Man type stuff. Um, one of them's, uh, he's, he's an Indian, I, I think. It's, uh, he's actually pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, he's from the, yeah, from that Indian yeah. Spider-Man series. Yeah, Spider, uh, uh, Spider-Ham and um, various others. I don't know, I don't care. Haven't, haven't read it. Yeah, moving on. Um, uh, Weird World Volume Two. Sam Humphreys, Mike Delmundo. I didn't even know there was a Weird World Volume One. To be honest, uh, Weird World was. Um, oh, are they, oh, do they count the Secret Wars miniseries? I think so. Ah, right. Because okay. originally Weird World was in Marvel Spotlight, Marvel Premiere. Okay. One, one of those. So they're obviously counting the, the Secret Wars series. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Which I hated with a passion. So right. Haven't even haven't even attempted to read this. Um, I don't even know what the book's about. Ah, well, in the the Secret Wars version was uh, Archon. Oh yes, try traveling across Weird World, trying to get back to his people. Yeah, it has some interesting artwork, but the story I just I thought this mm. is just terrible shit. Yeah, there was nothing weird no- for the sake of being weird, and nothing that's really sort of leapt out at me and say pick this book up. Yeah, so. fair enough. X Men ninety two, volume two, written by Chris Sims and Chad Bowers, art by Alt Feminish. Um, yeah, let, let, let's just go back and revisit the X Men when they were popular. Yeah, it's essentially, yeah, it's exactly what it is. And, I don't know, Chris Sims has uh, don't, don't an interesting uh, an interesting history on the internet, so, yeah, I think I'll avoid having read uh, I'm just not interested in that book. Yeah. I'm not interested in the X-Men in general these days, so... And to finish up with, last and definitely least, X-Men Worst X-Men Ever. Max Burness, Michael Walsh. This book looks shit. Don't know anything about it, don't care. <laughs> That's it. My God. That was epic. Well, look, Marvel, like DC when they did theirs, Marvel has just flooded the market with books. Yeah. And some show promise. Some were actually good. Yeah. The ones that were good before Secret Wars are still good. Yeah. So <laughs> no change there. <laughs> um, and look, it, it certainly piqued my interest enough to actually like start reading some of these books for, in the short term at least. But I get the feeling I'm going to end up pretty quickly with um, what happened with the DC books, where I think of, of the original 52, there were about 40 I was interested in. Uh, that petered off pretty quickly. And I get the feeling this is going to happen as well, especially when everything starts crossing over, and they're already soliciting crossovers, mm. you know. Um, and, I mean, the sheer number of issue ones that Marvel has released in the last few years, just getting on my nerves. Yeah. So I, I can see this petering out and I can see this new status quo that they've set up amongst the different teams and the different individuals I can see that petering out really quickly because they'll have to you know do another uh, reboot of titles in about a year to two years anyway 
which mm. means you know we won't even have these these titles a chance to establish themselves before they're suddenly redone again. So I can see my, myself losing interest in a lot of these books pretty quickly. Um, I hope that isn't the case because, you know, I love the Marvel characters and I love the Marvel Universe, but both Marvel and DC are, are showing that they just can't sustain this sort of stuff in any reasonable way. Gotcha. Well, that was our uh, epic coverage of the all-new, all-different Marvel. Yay! Which no, doesn't feel all that all-new and all-different, just feels like, you know... Ah, Spider-Man does. That's it for episode 180 awesomeness that recast brilliance uh, that's it for me and the crew Richard so imagine like boy meets girl but the boy wants to dress like a girl think about it he's such a professional look <laughs> direct made and directed and starring Ed Wood <laughs> exactly Crystal hopefully not directed by Alan Smithy <laughs> <laughs> there's far worse directors than Alan Smithy <laughs> and that's it for me Bye. Bye. You've been listening to NCP. Thank you for being a part of our crew. If you would like to support the show, you can use the Amazon widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. If you have any feedback, please go to nerdculturepodcast.com forward slash contact us where you will find a list of the many different ways you can interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.